Morning, pals, friends, beloved listeners. This is the Boy Hattie Podcast. I'm Annie. I'm Bill. We're here to talk to y'all about some more pop culture garbage. Bill, how are you doing, my friend? I almost tempted to start the podcast with those sounds. You know what? You know what? Everyone loves a good old Bill the Cat ack in their ears. Yeah, well, you know, as long as it's not really too loud. Good. I'm trying to step away from the microphone when I make disgusting barf sounds, but yeah. I like, you know, the Boy Howdy podcast has always been known for uh, what a an auditory. Yeah, <laughs> it's a fucking. So why should we change anything? We're nothing if not the THX sounds before the, your favorite films <laughs> of horribleness. <laughs> The audience is not listening because they could do be doing better shit than listening to us. Uh, how you oh doing, Annie? Boy. I'm doing pretty darn good. On Friday, I went on a movie date with some friends of mine. <laughs> I see. According uh, to the show notes, you saw Hunger Garms. Hunger Garms. That's correct. Uh, I went uh, with some dear friends of mine to go see the latest Hunger that Games. That movie's actually out now. Is this the last one? Yeah, it came out I on Friday. Have heard nothing about this. I'm really surprised. It's the last installment in the Hunger Games. It feels like... Can we talk about spoilers? Can we talk about spoilers? I mean, I've read... The the books have been out a while. Yeah, um, the books have been out forever. But I don't Did know. I mean, it's... they kill... What's her name? Because I know that's a big thing. Because, like, spoilers for Hunger Which Games. Which what's her name? Because there are a great number of what's her I heard names. lots of people die in this movie. Uh, I guess lots of people spoil- die in this movie. Okay, Actually, you know what? I don't know. I don't know how how explicit I want to get because it's not that it's uh, many people die, but I don't think that's the most interesting part of this movie. I saw some fans somewhere. I can't remember, but it was like Reddit or something like that. Some fans were very upset that they were heavily featuring uh, what's lady her name's name? Catface? Cat Katniss? Katniss? Her. And they're like, they're showing her too much they're giving it away no you assholes and so, so they do do they God, Bill. what <sighs> i i was i just to say i don't know how spoiler we need to get sure let's just get right i can just it. walk back and just uh, insert a bunch of screaming honking sounds <laughs> <laughs> um uh no uh, the interesting thing about the hunger games is that ultimately the whole um I've read the books, and the books aren't high art, but it's interesting to have uh, young adult fiction oriented towards young women that, while it deals with boys and fashion, ultimately it's about uh, PTSD during wartime. <laughs> yeah, that's what you've always <laughs> talked about. And uh, it's so I've, I find the books fascinating, and I find most fascinating the fact that they the books had the balls to end really not necessarily happy but showing that sometimes you don't get a happily ever after. Yeah, what sometimes... does not happy mean in this equation? Does everyone die or what? No, 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 no. It's not even that. It's genuinely like everyone in the book is too broken by this point, by by what they have gone through, to actually be happy and no happiness. Oh, okay. But not living feels like an ingratitude after everyone who has died after everyone has died around them. So it's like so the it's greatest so... generation, except they don't spend the next sixty years bragging about how awesome they are. It's, yeah, it's like, these people went through hell and okay. are shattered forever, and they kind of have to limp along until they die because it would be, Does, it would be a cruel joke to kill yourself. Does she still this. end up with PETA or Donald? Uh, well, what, what, one of the things that I really like about the Hunger Games, and that I think the the ad- movie adaptations I've always struggled with is that so much of the Hunger Games happens in Katniss's head, and from the outside she can seem kind of cold. Is it told from first person? 
Uh, I think it's third person bias. Oh, okay. Is what I recall. Okay. Um, and, uh, so, you know, you get a lot of this conflict that's in, within her and Jennifer Lawrence does a phenomenal job bringing that to the surface just with her face and with the way she does interact. So with she people. stays invested just because like, this is her fourth hunger game movie. This is, she doesn't like, she's not suddenly like too good for this stuff or anything like that. She's not like, no, I mean, oh, she okay, still good. does a great job. Yeah. I, I, you know, it's interesting. I, I was thinking about this last night cause I was talking to my friends afterwards and it's weird to live in a time when people can be in genre movies and that's not necessarily something you phone in. Like yeah. it's actually like between all the hobbits and all the Marvel movies and like, you know, everybody wants to be in a Star Wars. It's like now it's like it's not that it's like really cool to be in genre now. No, but you but can it's actually not be like, kinda of taken seriously. You might actually get an yeah. award for this if you stay invested. Yeah. yeah. Um, or it's like at least it's not the kiss of death anymore. Yeah. You know? She's not like pulling and, a Harrison uh, Ford where she can just barely tolerate being in the last movie, yeah. No, she does I mean, she does a great job. Okay, the good. movies are just all not super great. Like, yeah. like, like I said, to be fair, the books aren't high literature, but the movies have all been kind of sluggish and kind of strangely I edited. Have I saw like the first half of the first movie, and I saw the second half of maybe the second. What's the one where they bring back all the victors from the previous Hunger Games? Is that, is that the I can't one? fucking remember. I think that is the second one. And I saw I the second the half of that, and after the like the action stuff started, a bunch of drama stuff happened. I was kind of surprised at how sluggish and I, even like I it was dense enough I couldn't understand what was going on, and it was kind of moving slowly at the same time. Um, yeah, it's it's strange. Also, at the end of the day, the movies are, the story is ultimately about how Katniss is manipulated by everyone around. That's her. what the, even that second movie like that seemed to be. Even when she's on the battlefield, it's like she can't like get yeah. from grasp on anybody. Yeah. And the thing is, is that there's only so many times that it is, it, at least in a book, you get to, he, you feel what's everything that's going on in her head, and yeah. you're with her as she experiences all these things. In a movie, you're basically just watching her as she goes from one person to another, controlling her, and forcing her to per, put on a persona. Yeah, it's all surface that, stuff. Yeah, you really can't, yeah. Oh. It's, but I mean, it's, it's interesting. It's not, like, I, I think it's... It's a very relevant sort of story to tell about, well, like, uh, media. But this and, sounds like, like the kind of story where the actual story changes a little bit because you're looking at it from a, such a different perspective, though. Because it seems yeah. like so much of that story is about surface level stuff and can you trust this person and kind of like, but yeah, uh, like the books are all about like the distance between people, what happens between people, and like the government, the media, and stuff like that. And in the movies, all about yeah, it's I don't know, that's interesting. Okay. It's 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 a weird adaptation. I think they do a fine job, but the last movie is rough. Right. It was interesting because uh, uh, my, I went with some dear friends who love the Hunger Games movies, like actually really love the movies, and even oh. they left feeling. Have they a read the books? Like, uh, one had, the other hadn't, and they okay. really well, enjoyed the films. I'm glad to see films. the books are at least good enough to stand on their own as a fan. Like you don't feel like you have to go back and I don't know. It's like, I mean, I feel like it's like Harry Potter, where it's like, at the end of the day, it's just a really well, well what, that cast. Well, that was what I was about to ask, because those movies kind of, even, I mean, I read the books, but even those movies kind of felt like, I, like, I feel like they it, still didn't it, make sense. I feel like it suffers a lot from, the, I mean, the, the Hunger Games movies make sense, but what is really funny is that the two big surprises at the end of the Hunger Games books, the movie kind of telegraphs from 100 miles away. 
So oh, no, when they happen, yeah. you're just kind of like, yeah, yeah. So it like it drains a lot of the suspense from stuff. And but I'll be honest with you, I could forgive all of that. Except my very my favorite part of the Hunger Games books is is how it ends. Because like I said, everyone technically on the surface, it's a happily ever after. Katniss winds up, it, it spends the rest of her life in a peaceful world where democracy has been restored with her, with one of her men, the okay. men who mean so much to her. And um, the, oh God, it's so good. It's so delicious in the book. And they almost get it in the movie. Like, <laughs> is she they, like kinda, a terrible old age makeup in this movie at the end? Is it like 50 years later? You see her, she's all they like. They don't do that. I, w- I will spoil the very end of the movie, like yeah. an asshole. Um, so at the end of it, she winds up with PETA. PETA has been so brainwashed that the movie, the last movie ends and this movie opens with um, PETA almost chokes her to death. Doesn't it like, like isn't it like, like, I've heard a couple people complain this movie like starts like, it pretty much, you hit unpause from the second, from the third movie. Like there's really not, not even an opening like... Literally, we. I actually really liked that it opened like this. Literally, the camera comes on to um, uh, Jennifer Lawrence sitting there as Katniss, and she has this brace around her neck, and they take it off, and you can see the bruising from when Peta choked her. And oh, it's Jesus. a really well acted, nicely shot moment. It's really, really good. And even in that moment, the doctor is saying. You know, repeat after me. I am Katniss Everteen. I'm from District 12. And even in that, even in her therapy, she's being given, like, she's being forced. Like, yeah, she's, directed. This, these yeah. are, this is, exactly. And I'm like, I'm, the movie opens and like, delicious. This is so good. <laughs> and it's just all kind of. I can see you, like, eating your popcorn like a snake. <laughs> so, uh, at the at very, the very, very end, PETA has been black, has been, um, fucking brainwashed to shit. And he's struggling to claw back from the other so side. So he gets captured by, uh, the bad guys, the government? That, so that used happens as a weapon? in the last, yeah, okay. in the last movie. He is brainwashed. He is used as an, as a kind of pawn of the government. We see him even on these broadcasts as he becomes thinner and more gaunt and more broken. Okay. In the last movie, they capture him. He, cap- he, he, and he assaults, uh, Katniss. That's the way the movie ends. So this movie opens with Katniss all fucked up. And slowly over the course of the movie, like, Peta is trying to come back. And he's struggling. And he'll he'll say these things to her. Because they implanted all these false memories. And he'll say something to her. And he'll say, um, uh, you know, once I did this, real or unreal. And she'll tell him if it's real oh, okay. or not real. And it's it's a heartbreaking okay. thing. And it's such a great little thing in the books. And, like, the la- one of the last shots in the movie is for the first time, like, Katniss and he are kind of holding each other and it's not sexual and it's barely romantic they are literally just alive together and he says you love me real or not real and it's like such a fucking like that even that like he can't believe that it's so um, like so good so delicious and she says real and it fades to black and i'm sitting here going i would respect this movie so much if nope fades up from black Again, to be fair, this happens in the books, but in the books you can get inside her head, and in this you can't. Is this so ending where so many people hate the ending of the books? Because I know a lot of people hate- Probably. Yeah. I, I did not hate it for this. It's, yeah, you it's were the one person the- I know was like, oh yeah, the Hunger, Ga- Hunger Games ended good. Everyone else is like, I don't know if everyone else hated the actual ending, like, last minute, or if it was just kind of like how maybe the whole third book just kind of like generally just wrapped everything up. Yeah, I, I believe know. both. Yeah. Because this, I will say that if anyone read the ending of the book like the movie presents the ending of the book, I would hate it too. Yeah, okay. Because, yeah. 
literally you come you it come it pulls up and you see them in it's Katniss and Peeta in the forest on the edge of District 14 and the beauty of nature and the sun is shining and Peeta is off in the distance playing with a little boy their little is boy. District 14 the and, one they came from I get District 12 is what I meant to say oh, okay, District 12 yeah. is their district uh, and she's sitting there holding the baby holding their baby Aww. and uh, the, the baby cries. made out of bread. And it's, like, such a happy moment, and it's, like, yeah. and this happens in the books, but, again, Katniss is kind of, like, I don't, these are well, my children, I guess, and, like, she, that's my husband, I guess, but she doesn't, she's too broken to actually, like, feet, like, she's going through the paces, it's another role she's playing, but so in the movie, she's they're so showing- broken, she can't. So in the movie, they just yeah. kind of focus on the fruits of her victory without showing how that fruits- in it's the book, all our in couch in a shitty, shitty fruit cake of uh, it's what all happened in her in... mind. So, yeah. like, what do you do? And also, yeah. do you can you do that in a movie? Like, you can't. But Bill, I'll tell you, the worst part is is that the baby <laughs> cries in her arms. I this is like oh, literally no. spoilers for the last fifteen seconds of <laughs> Hunger Games, but I can't get over it. Baby cries, and uh, she goes, "Were you having a nightmare?" I have those too, and you can see Jennifer Lawrence is trying to make this work, and I'm like, no, buddy, you can't do it. She goes, someday I'll tell you about my nightmares. Oh she, no, I can't remember how the transition goes, but she says something like, like, um, while you go off and go to school and play your games, and you know there are worse games. People That's what I was about play. to say. I've heard people make Cut fun of that black. last line from the books too, but yeah. Is that in the books? I could not remember this. That's I've heard people joke about how like they like the, the last line of the book plays on the fact that it's Hunger Games. Like, the, oh my god, did I block that out? It is like if you <laughs> ended the last Star Wars movie with "Thank God we don't have another Star War." <laughs> you know, it's 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 yeah. That's that's what I've heard again. I've not actually read it. Actually, the fact that like you like the, 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 the actually even the movie adaptation that much really makes me want to go back and revisit. The, the oh no, it's bad. Am I, I not being clear? I mean, I don't know. It's not a good movie. It's interesting. It's not even. There are some things that they try to do just from a technical standpoint, where like um, there's the one of the most intense fight scenes or action sequences in the movie. Even my my cohorts who weren't really movie buffs, um, <laughs> they were all sitting there going, "That was felt weird." I didn't I didn't understand what was going on, which some of the other Hunger Games had that issue too. Yeah. But uh, I, I was talking to them about it. I'm like, yeah, I think they were trying to make it feel claustrophobic and spookier for not having that immediate context. But yeah. I think it just kind of fell apart. It's kind of like when they use shaky cam so much and rather than just kind of adding momentum, it just makes everything confusing, not in a good way. Mm-hmm. Kind of that kind of thing. Yeah. Okay, yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. You you are right. The ending, the very end of the book, I forgot is that's what it is because she's telling her child how to deal with the trauma, <laughs> and she says, "Yeah, just think of all the good things in your life. It's like a game, but they're worse games." You can that's play. not so bad. But I've heard other people felt, joke about how like <laughs> I don't know. I, it didn't feel as bad in the book. There's something about hearing someone say it. Yeah, out yeah, loud. yeah, yeah, yeah. No matter, yeah. It's like if you ended the Shawshank Redemption with like with 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 one of those guys turning to the camera and saying, "That was my Shawshank Redemption." <laughs> you know that kind exactly. Of oh boy! Oh boy! Oh, oh boy! Oh boy! Good time, though. It was it was an enjoyable movie. Going yeah, I mean, the, but uh, fuck yeah, no, that's cool. I'm glad. I'm glad. I'm glad it like stuck the landing as much as you kind of could expect it to. Does it have like South Park style cutout animated uh, 
fucking Se- is Philip Seymour Hoffman. Philip in Seymour it? Hoffman. Yeah, they did a pretty good job. I was really curious about that because um, uh, apparently they were filming the last movie in this one more like they were filming some scenes at the same time. Oh, that makes sense. So there, yeah. there are a lot of new scenes in there with him. Okay, and you can there are other scenes where I could tell because I'm a big fucking dork. <laughs> That this was like a composite, and he wasn't really here, and they edited this in. But it was all really subtle. And at the end okay. of the day, the whole point of his character is that he's a puppet master manipulating yeah. people from he's behind Plutarch the scenes. He's Heavensby, right? It's like I read that in the reviews, and I fucking love the names in the Hunger Games. It's great. They're it's great and dumb. It's a really fun. It's like it's, I don't know. If fun is the word you can use to describe. It's the like Hunger Star Games. Wars shit. Where like you if, if you can't like like or hate this 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 series any more than like you like or hate the Star Wars movies. I mean, Blue Dark Heavensby is no better or worse than like Han Solo or Luke Skywalker, <laughs> and everyone's just used to that. I can, I'm down with Plutarch Heavensby, is all I'm saying. <laughs> but uh, yeah, no, these guys are interesting because they really do feel like the Harry Potter movies. I should, oh, I what did you think uh, about the unexpected kiss between... This is the other thing I heard people complain about this movie. Um, uh, is it... Is it... It's, it's fucking True Detective kisses uh, Pitch Perfect. It fucking oh yes that, that got a big gasp from the audience <laughs> I, i've heard people complain that, that like that got a bigger reaction than any of the like the fucking pita katniss stuff in the movie yeah uh it's because you don't see any adults have any sort of relationship well, that's like, like, wait what happened these people have inner lives what's going on here yeah yeah, no, uh, there's a nice little uh, a thing where um uh uh what's his butt hamish uh as they're leaving the capital uh, gives a smooch to Elizabeth Banks' character. Yeah. And Woody Harrelson. Yeah. And uh, it's, yeah, it was just like a nice little moment that showed that it's nice because so much of these books are about things falling apart during wartime. Yeah. It was actually kind of refreshing to see two people, even though you never see anything on the screen, to see that these two people from two such different backgrounds who did not like each other could have anything during this time. It was actually kind of a nice counterpoint okay. to all the gl- grim, dark, gloom and doom of The Hunger Games. And not quite as grotesque as Donald Sutherland making out with CGI so Philip Seymour Hoffman for, for a quick moment, too. That's correct. That's a joke you can make. <laughs> not That's because of totally homosexual acceptable. stuff, but because like you have to kiss a computer-generated Philip Seymour Hoffman. Um, sure, they just took a giant sure. baby. Anyway. Uh, but yeah, you know, it's like I feel like I feel like these movies are very much so like the Harry Potter movies yeah. in that they're impeccably cast, perfectly cast, really interesting costuming and world building, and then everything else. It, they're kind of lethargically plotting and so do they blow up urgency. like Chris Hemsworth? Like, does he just kind of like just get married to someone else, or what happens? Uh, he, you learn, uh, Katniss, actually Katniss kind of just brushes him off. He, oh, really? he is implicit, he is implicit in something that she cannot forgive, and uh, that's the end of it okay. for him, so. I don't know why I'm being coy about not fucking spoiling The Hungry Games. We just spoil, I mean, I, yeah, I don't know if there's anything else we could spoil. But anyway, yeah, I don't know, The Hunger Games, I, at the end of the day, here's the thing, though. Uh, beyond anything else, um, the, uh, there is a genuine like 50 50 gender split in almost every single shot of that fucking movie that's nice like it, it, there's that whole thing where it's like if there are like if there's like a third women in the room or less you'll think it's 50 50 and i had to stop myself and like count just to make sure i'm like no are there actually half as many broads dudes in this scene yes and nine times out of ten Aww. it was true and uh, it's just kind of nice to have 
a movie where that is just kind of a thing and not a big deal. And I hope, and that's in the books too, to be fair. And if anything else, I hope that is this movie's legacy. Yeah. It's just a, a casual density of broads. Well, people are still giving Hunger Games credit for like as, as, as few like female led and starring projects there are on Hollywood these days. I mean, that's the Hunger Games is kind of credited with that. Like those projects kind of being, being kind of marketable right now so yeah and speaking of uh so i didn't really emotionally react much to the hunger games but what did make me cry big dumb tears was they showed the force awakens teaser a trailer before that which, like which and, one uh, it was like the first big trailer oh, like okay the, yeah like that like, like that third big one they came out with like a month ago where it was all yeah where it's yeah, like okay. it's like everybody it's first uh the lady saying her dialogue and then oh John yeah Boyega, that stuff like yeah, and then yeah. the evil dude and then the girl again and han solo <laughs> chimes in and, and i'm just sitting there and it's so funny because i've seen that trailer before and i was like yeah okay but this is the second time i've seen it in the theater and the big yeah, screen all the sound screen, around me yeah, yeah. and ev- this this is the second time it made me just cry dumb baby oh. tears it's man that's really three juicy. weeks away yeah we recorded that Oof. podcast commentary yesterday and we we're all like is the next time we're all gonna see each other gonna be at the movie movie theater we're like oh fuck yeah i guess shit uh-huh it's coming it's coming i still got tickets if you want them just throw that out there <laughs> I, I admit going to see the hunger games in a theater full of people i was kind of like do i want to have this carnival atmosphere around the star war i mean it would be fun but on the other hand i don't yeah, know it's, well you got a couple weeks to decide so yeah um, anyway yeah. but i i you know i think i enjoyed the hunger games on, on the balance you dislike it so that, at least that's something it was, you know, like I said, I think it was a, 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 a not a great adaptation, but a competent adaptation, even though they did kind of layer on the hetero uh, to, to soothe all ills. But mm-hmm. other than that, it was, you know, it was an enjoyable evening in cinema, I guess. I had a good chat with my friends afterwards. Uh, though, so. Did you end up watching uh, some of the Jessica Jones stuff? Man, I watched the first one, and I'm not the audience for it right now thank I you i was surprised at how much i like that i went in with gutter low expectations i wonder if it's more just like it's, it may not be the best show ever or anything like that but i went in expecting uh because agent carter everyone was raving about and that was only kind of turned out to be kind of campy bad but still kind of amusing but ah, i actually kind of like i've only seen three episodes so far but i i kind of like it so. I just watched the first one, and I, I had read the comic back in the day, and I can't oh, yeah? really... I didn't really have a lot of emotional attachment to it at the yeah. time, um, beyond the fact that I liked that it was a, a lady protagonist, detective yeah. lady. And I'm a sucker for that detective trope. But I'll tell you, having... So it was kind of interesting. So I, I, I've i been playing you know Fallout and watching The Hunger Games, and then the romance novel I read recently, and then this. All of them are about women who are have experienced extreme trauma and manipulation by people they trust yeah. and like the their whole journey is about them coping with that trauma and there was something about like halfway through Jennifer, Jessica Jones where I was like you know what fuck that narrative I don't really need that one more time yeah. thank you yeah. very much it's like I don't I would like to have stories about women that aren't about how they've been broken by people in power around them and abused or assaulted for any definition of that. I don't know. I was just like, I no thanks. No thanks. I, I don't need that clawing panic up my throat from one more piece of media. It's 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 funny too because one of the reasons I actually kind of like Jessica Jones so much because it is very specifically about that and almost it's, it's essentially yeah. like the whole show is essentially just giant rape metaphor at this point. Uh-huh. Granted, I don't see a lot of that and I'm also a white guy. I'm kind of insulated from most of that stuff so this... 
something like this being so explicitly, especially something like from a Disney studio addressing sure. this kind of stuff was kind of super, like, I don't know. Sure. Um, but no, yeah, coming from a lady, sort of I can stuff... see why you like turn this on and go, uh, this fucking story again? Jesus fucking Christ. Yeah. I think they're handling it better than most and with more empathy than most. Yeah, that's the thing. I, I actually like Jesse Jones as a character, regardless of like the. Tra- well, I guess you can't like take the trauma out of that character. <laughs> it's the point character. of the show. She's a walking and wound, it's... but yeah, I, I don't know. She, she I mean, I like, like that she's kind of an unlikable anti hero in the way that usually only dude protagonists are allowed I think to be. That's exactly what I liked about the show. Because, like, I, I, like, people, like, I, I've known women like Jessica Jones in real life, but I've never seen kind of like a lady, kind of like specifically like this on TV where she is just kind of like sure. a, an asshole and kind of just doesn't take care of herself and not, and not like in a cool, sexy way, but like, I don't know. No. Yeah, no, and don't get me wrong, it seems neat and great. It's just that right now, at this moment in my oh, time, Oh, yeah, I'm no, like, I understand. Yeah, that's why I'm not pushing it no, too much thanks. or anything. Uh, the only reason I, I even recommended like last night... I would not you, about this. Yeah, the only reason I sent you an email last night uh, saying you should check it out was because uh, there's... She ends up boning Luke Cage, and I didn't realize that was Luke Cage, and I was like, oh, that's that guy! Um, there's, a, there's a pretty steamy sex scene in, I think, the like the second episode... So I, it's more just the sex scene more, more than anything else. I was like, hey, you should go check this out. So, Thanks for looking out for my Bonerville, but I just, no thank you. I, Man, I will watch it like another crate. time. Yeah, I don't know. So yeah, did you like the comic this good. is based off of? Because this is all Bendis. Like, I didn't I, realize this, she was created by yeah. Michael Bendis. Well, she I think she was... Um, no, I think she she was an original character that was then like kind of wrote her into the backstory. Yeah, okay. and like Bendis really liked that character and hauled her out a lot. She, I think, when he went and wrote the Avengers, she was able to rejoin the Avengers. And, oh, okay, like he she shows up in um, uh, Ultimate Spider Man even is oh, different okay. in a different light. And uh, yeah, I mean, I I I read the comic. I really didn't like the art. Um, and the comic opens with the anal sex scene instead of ha- hedging that halfway through in a way that is she not- having anal sex? Because that's one of the things she flips over halfway through her first sex scene. I was like, okay, I've never actually seen that in a movie or TV show before. It in the comic, it's a little, it's more text rather than subtext. Okay, I thought maybe uh, she just like just got tired of looking at that guy's dumb face. In the comic, it's more like she wants to feel anything, even uh, if it hurts. Oh, and it's no. Just like, uh, well, know, not it's there's just... anything wrong with butt sex, but... No, no. Anal is fine and great, don't get me wrong. But it was just like, it's just, there's something about the way it was, it was not a happy consent, like, not even consensual. It's not a, uh, a, a happy moment for either Let's of put, Like, people. in the second, I think it's the second episode that they find out that they each, that, I mean, they fuck in the first episode, but they don't know they have powers yet. But in the second one, they find out each other they have powers, and then they take advantage of that, and they have some pretty fucking fuck you sex. Um, but I... Uh, that's all well and good. It's just, I can't... No, it's, cool. it's just, I, right now, in this moment, I would like to experience some media about a lady where she is not broken in that particular um, way. <laughs> I like Jessica Jones because almost all the characters are ladies. That was that was also a big surprise. Mm-hmm. All of her fully really ladies. liked it because uh, of the unexpected lesbianism that yeah, got Fully's Dylan attention. Yeah, we're watching it. And she's like, "Ooh, Carrie Ann Moss." I like. Yeah, Carrie that was Fully's reaction. <laughs> and then she's like, "Oh, Carrie Ann Moss is married to a lady in this show, and she's a badass lawyer." Um, yeah. And That's... also, the show is mostly written and directed by ladies too. So I don't know. I don't know. I'll... It's interesting. It's a sort of storytelling and story that because uh, I think that it's been optioned to be a TV show for a while now. Yeah. 
and uh, like for years and has been bumping around and i think it's the only it's the sort of thing that only could be on netflix like to have like be kind of that casual about sex and that casual about having ladies because the whole crux of the show the bad guy just seems to be kind of a mind control rape monster i don't know how you could like i don't yeah i don't know how you tell this i'm actually kind of curious to see how much they can get away with on netflix about this shit but yeah i don't know it's just like one of those things where there are times when i stop and i think I'm doing this for fun. Yeah, exactly, exactly. Like, how much do you just want to be self-lacerating this way? Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I was raised Catholic. Don't get me wrong. I believe in some good self-flagellation, but I gotta draw a line in the sand. Again, on the same front, the main character, Kristen Ritter, I really like her. You know, she's the one who plays Jessica Jones, but she has such a cartoon face. I could also she really does. She technically she has looks a like a face, cartoon but character. It's so severe, like it's a caricature of herself that I could see also people just being turned off because she looks like she looks like Lydia Dietz from the Beetlejuice cartoon. But like, <laughs> she looks made like she's flesh. from Archie comic. Yeah, yeah, exactly. But like, not just like she looks like she could be a character in that, but she looks like if you took a character, like an actual cartoon character, and made it into meat. And had her walk around. Yeah, so, I don't know. I'd it's also funny because I'm pretty like sure she was one of... Looks, but she looks like a comic, like a cartoon character, yeah. Um, I'm pretty sure she was one of the teens in um, Veronica Mars, too, uh, is you what I'm what? remembering. I wouldn't be a bit surprised, yeah. So, it's it's kind of funny Which because funny, it's like... the show is just Veronica Mars 2.0 anyway, but yeah. Which I'm fine with. I, and it's interesting because I was just talking on Twitter about the battered detective trope and how it's one of my favorite tropes of all time and how I'm a huge sucker for it. But it's just, I don't know, man. I don't, I'm just kind of, I'm a little done with women broken in that way there in my storytelling. Her for a best while. friend, did you, did they, in the first episode, so did they show her best friend who's like a talk show host? Yeah. They do some interesting things where her best friend is, she's trying to be first. Whereas like Jessica Jones is kind of like all beaten up and kind of like doesn't take care of herself her best her like blonde super kind of supermodel looking best friend is like doing her best to like she's taking like self-defense classes and like has turned her apartment into a fortress and she's like being very proactive that she's never going to be a victim like anyone I, I don't know i don't know where they're going with that i uh, hopefully they're not just building her up just to get her broken down by the villain or something like that but it's interesting because like she's the opposite of the broken detective where she's being super assertive like saying like she's like she keeps on walking around she's got all these bruises all over her body because everyone's kind of like what the hell are you doing she's like don't worry about it and it's because she's like taking these super crazy self-defense classes like for like 12 hours a day and stuff and essentially turning herself into a superhero without superpowers and sure i again that i've only seen like a little glimpse of that so i don't know how much of that's going to be a thing or how that's going to be handled by the end of the show but i don't know yeah. I, don't know, I so. mean this sort of storytelling can be enormously cathartic and handled it, well it, it can, can be, be but like, yeah you're kind of playing like with all this stuff though. yeah it's just one of those things where it's like it's an element that i just can't handle any more of right now at this exact moment in, in my life like i'm tired so. of the the fat fat white guy gets gets the the pretty girl at the end that's just oh you've been watching paprika the yeah. one story oh, yeah, that that's happens true. <laughs> <laughs> that one that's example that why that isn't my favorite movie of all time i have no idea <laughs> what else uh hey bill what you been up to this week my friend uh so okay so fallout where uh-huh. How unbreakably, how unplayably breakable, uh, how are you going, doing, my friend? No, Fallout ran really well again, so I started from the beginning, yeah. and I walked outside. What do you do at Shifting Sands? Who am I supposed to talk to? Shifting Sands? Yeah, it's the first town you come to. You when, mean when, Sanctuary when... Hills? No, not Sanctuary Hills, it's just like Shifting Sands. It's like right after you get out of the vault, right after you get out of the caves, and you fight like the cave rats and stuff. 
Shifting sands? Yeah, when you're looking for I the water I have no chip. idea what you're talking about. Because the water chip gets bust and you have to leave the fallout and you have to go outside. Oh, you are playing Fallout. Yeah, you are playing fallout. fallout 1. <laughs> wow. Yeah, so wow. I've got the steam machine. It's funny that like the day after I got my steam machine were up and running, uh, I forgot what site it was, but they're selling all the old fall. Pretty much every Fallout thing ever made, except for Fallout Four for twenty bucks, like one big thing. Mm-hmm. And so I got that. So I've got the the original Fallout. I've got like Fallout Tactics, which I've never heard of before. I've got Fallout Three and New Vegas yeah. on PC right now. And but you I thought, can skip Fallout Tactics just to let you know. I would assume if you've never talked about it, I can imagine it's it can't be anything worth investigating. But yeah, I didn't realize Fallout Four and Three and New Vegas. They, like, stole half their sound effects from the old first game? Like... Do you... How do you say stole when it's, like, that's part of what Fallout is? Oh, I know, but, like, everything, like, even, like, the like the clicky sounds for the UI and, like, some of the sounds it's, for, like, exactly. the and stuff. It's perfect. Bill, that's like saying, I can't believe they stole the Star Wars theme from the earlier Star they Wars movies. Keep on like, come on, guys. Come on. Come, time to come up with a new thing. It's like, there are thing, these things that are hallmarks that are part I'm of saying, Fallout. Adele it's- would sing a perfect Star Wars theme. <laughs> um, no, but like, uh, I, I, you know what? It's funny because like I, w- I got so distracted by other stuff. I, I actually have not touched Fallout Four all week. I mean to get back to that tomorrow. Um, but like, uh, did I say Fallout Four? Uh, but yeah, so I've technically I've played more of the original Fallout this week than I have of Fallout Four. Um, <laughs> I didn't. What do you think of it? It's like pre-rendered cutscenes and mm-hmm. stuff like that. It's it's yeah. actually way more technically advanced than i thought it was gonna be yeah 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 it's like do you see why this rocked this rocked tiny little baby annie's world yeah no this is i could see and the game's actually not that old it's like 1997 1998 which granted shit that actually is almost 20 years old fuck Uh but i thought it was all gonna be like sprite based super nintendo shit no it's actually it's got ron perlman saying war war never changes i can see why that was a big deal when they did that for the first fall of three unveiled trailer um Yeah, I could see uh, Bethesda kind of... Be- <laughs> I could see where they just kind of took everything from the original Fallout games. You weren't kidding about how... I don't yeah. know. It's it, it's interesting. I don't know. That's one of the things I... That's why Fallout 4 feels so warm and familiar to me. Yeah, it's I can literally, see... It's literally a remix of this thing that was very important to me when I was a teenager figuring my shit out. Yeah, I feel like I've gone back to your like your ancestral family home and found out that Pretty everything much, is dude. just any shaped and any color and any <laughs> any smelling. Yeah, just kind of like oh, uh-huh. this is where Annie came from. Yeah, uh huh. Yeah, so yeah. it's yeah. I'll I'll play more of it this week, but um, I tried to play it with the Steam controller. Steam controller. Steam controller is officially bullshit. I can't get it to run with any games. Whereas if I just plug an Xbox controller into the Steam machine, I I use that to play. Actually, I was playing the the the, the last uh, Tomb Raider game, the the one from like two or three years ago. Uh, on PC with the Tress effects and a controller. That's pretty cool. That's good. Yeah. 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 Um, Phil, have you joined the PC Master Race? Is this it for you? It's not bad. The fact that I can go from Tomb Raider to playing um, Regency Solitaire and just a button click or two, <laughs> that's pretty good. It's not, it's, mm-hmm. having, having a Steam machine is not the end of the world. Like I said, I'm, I'm more just happy to have this just so I can play any, uh, mostly indie games. But it's nice to go back to some older like console games and kind of see what they look like with this, sure. like, like you know graphics and oh speaking of console games uh so did you did you i can't did we talk about undertale last week we talked about it a little bit i think because i had started to play it yeah i, pl- I plunked maybe an hour into it do you remember like if like any kind of story thing you hit or anything like that because i just got to 
um, I got to, to, to the cow lady's cabin. That which yeah. doesn't seem like it's far. Like like maybe an hour into no. Undertale at yeah. the most. Yeah, yeah. Is that yeah. how far I'm, you I'm, got? I'm on the other side of uh, on the other side of that. Oh, okay. So I just got to that like last night. That's a pretty cool little game. I like that. Yeah, I'm glad you're enjoying it. It seems like there are things there that like I think I talked about last week. I think there are some elements of it that you might appreciate even more yeah. than I did because um, I don't I, have the it? the literacy and the things they're kind of riffing on. You do buy a donut from a spider which i saw that and i was like oh man i wonder how so bill bill i must ask you one of the core mechanics of undertale is that you can play it as, an, as a traditional rpg and kill everyone oh. or you can be a pacifist and you can just befriend what? or otherwise talk your way out of encounters with creatures what is the point which route undertale are you taking if you don't try to take advantage of befriending yeah. everybody as much as possible because that's the whole gist of the game yeah, if you're just yeah. beating people up, you might as well just go back to playing fucking Final Fantasy. So I'm kind of curious to see how Agreed. long you can go into the game without actually hurting anybody. Um, yeah, yeah. Yeah. So yeah, I just got to... Uh, so Undertale, not to get too deep into it, but uh, I've heard other people talk about how they don't want to talk about it at all because it's just... Oh, you have to experience for yourself. And the game is really about how there's like a world of monsters living under the world of people. And you're like this little kid who falls into that world and you immediately meet like this very kindly cow lady or something like that. She's like some kind of white skin lady with horns. She kind of looks like a cow girl or something like that. Some kind of cow lady. And uh, she kind of takes you on as like her adoptive child almost and kind of guides you through like this 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 underground world and for the first hour she kind of leaves you to kind of like wander the world by yourself a little bit and mm-hmm. uh you can go it's yeah it's 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 just like a final fantasy or dragon quest where it's like, like a turn-based role-playing game where you can like you, you can fight monsters and stuff but you could also talk to them and befriend them or just kind of scare them away so you don't have to fight them and mm-hmm. it just filled like with tons of crazy flavor text. Like even when you go to a, yeah. a safe spot, rather than just being a safe spot, it'll be like, "This is a big pile of beautiful leaves." You sit down and think about leaves or something like that, and then you hit save. And I don't know. It's 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 it's, it's a nice and thoughtful little game. Yeah. yeah. Uh, and it has, uh, uh, from talking to other people about it, it has some uh, intense uh, aspects to it that are unexpected. That's what I do like about Undertale, is that it, when you expect it to zig, it zags. Yeah, because it seems you know? like it could be too, too too twee for its own good, but it definitely has, like, it's kind of self-aware and kind of, like, it pokes fun at itself a little bit. It's not Very trying to be, Very self-aware. Like, yeah. It's interesting the way it kind of lulls you with the tropes of those games. Yeah. And that makes all the weird things that happen all the more jarring and yeah. unexpected. Like me, like, running so. a couple spider webs and, like, it's just like, oh, here, buy a donut. I'm like, okay. Yeah. It's a, oh, donut, yeah, it's a spider bake sale. There's a part where I got to a wall that I couldn't pass. And instead of, like, like the, suddenly the game turns into, a, like, you know, because most of the game is, like, top-down 8-bit kind of dungeon exploring stuff, but of course when you have to fight somebody, it turns into like a first-person view where you're looking at the monster, and you can decide if you want to fight, run away, talk to the monster and stuff. And so there was a wall that I had to somehow defeat so I can get past where the wall was blocking everything off. And uh, yeah, I was able to just flirt with it until the wall got really shy and walked away, because it it didn't want to commit to a relationship. (laughs) And that's how I got past the wall. It's just a wall, like a brick wall. It was fucking hilarious, so... I don't know. It's, Undertale's pretty goddamn cute. It's it's like ten bucks. I think it's worth your ten dollars. It's my just friends. a dumb yeah experiment. It's great. It's a I, yeah. It's very goddamn cute. And, uh, and I know a lot of people who've been genuinely emotionally jacked up by uh, where it goes and no, the choices it makes. So with that, um, yeah. What else you been doing? Uh, I've I've really been playing f- nothing but Fallout. I think I'm almost to ninety hours at this point. 
Um, that's not too bad, considering it's been almost two weeks. Actually, that's kind of slow for you. Uh, well, well I mean, keep in work. mind that I played it, I got to, like, exactly, I got to, like, 80 hours within the first four days. Oh, no, days. Oh, yes, you're really so, slowing down uh, now, no. It's almost like I have to go to my job or something and interact with my poor wife, who has the stomach, flu- got a food poisoning real, real oh. bad the last couple of days, so she's been having a hard time. Have you beat but, the game? Um, no. Okay. No! What? It's a fallout! I, I don't think I've even grazed the end game, well, you are you kidding lock me? yourself out of any content by beating the game, right? I don't. I don't know. I have been probably not. Presumably okay. not. That's not usually how Fallout's work. But uh, um, yeah, it's. Uh, I can. I'm having a really good time with it. The only thing that makes me sad is that I. Um, I haven't found my perfect friend in the world yet. Like I love dog meat, and I really like this one companion, Kate. And uh, but uh, a friend of mine hit a companion who they love so much means so much to them. So I'm like, I wonder if I'm gonna get a perfect companion like Aww. that. But it's getting to the point now where I'm like starting to sap the game of some of its resources. Like I uh, wound up absently looking something up and found out that how many companions there were in the game, and that I had actually recruited all of them except for two. Is there like, like thirteen companions? There are thirteen companions. Okay. Wow, that actually seems like a lot. It seems like there were more than uh, previous games. Yeah, there's a there's a heck there. I mean, there's just a lot to do in this game. Mm-hmm. Is the truth. So, but yeah, I'm really enjoying my time with Fallout. It's just a really I'm having a just really good time to it. I like how they've kind of tightened up the shooting a little bit, and that's a little more fun. And like, I don't know. I'm just uh, I found like a playstyle that really suits me, and the game is really encouraging me to go that route. And I just just fucking love. Have Fallout. you tried to use any of the bugs to kind of like increase your stats or anything like that? I don't. I don't do that stuff. There was That's before I put jam. down the game to start playing the new Star Wars Battlefront game. I did find out that there's a bug where, if you still have the UR special book that you first find in like in your uh, baby's bedroom when you go back there uh-huh. after the bombs fall, uh, you find a UR special book which lets you put a couple extra points into some of your uh, into your, some of your basic stats. And somebody pointed out there's a duplication glitch in the console version of the game where, if you drop something, tell Dogmeat to go pick it up. And then if you pick it up as Dogmeat's picking up, uh, it'll create a duplicate. Like, uh, not only will you pick up the one that you pick up, but then, like, Dogmeat will essentially create a new one that he'll drop at your your feet. And so if you duplicate that book a bunch of times, you can essentially give yourself ten, you know, ten stats. Level Hmm. ten in, like, in all the special stuff. And so Hmm. I did that. uh, But that was, like, the last thing I did. So I haven't actually gone back to see what that actually does for me. That doesn't seem actually... Fun, I know, though. but just like I just wanted to bet. Is I, that fun? No, I know. I mean, to be fair, I'm playing on very, very easy. Yeah, so, like, I am literally kind of playing on the same thing. Then, yeah, okay. the babyest like baby wheels, but I, guiding wheels. But I did notice yeah. that, like, like I have 95 percent chance or 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 more to to hit anything from any range now with any weapon. See, so. is that is that even fun? Dude? I don't well, you know what? I'll tell you next week. It may be the best thing ever. <laughs> Who knows? Oh boy! I mean, like I'm, I'm pretty at this point. I it is very rare that I die in any scenarios I get in, unless I we're really overwhelmed. Yeah. Just because of the way, like the way I've planned my character out and the gun I'm equipped with and all this. But there's still like an element of it going wrong. Yeah. I don't know, man. I mean, I did find. I a mean, pipe I, having said that. <laughs> I am a huge fucking cheater, so I don't know why I'm chastising you. Because like I cheated my way from start to finish through uh, Shadow uh, Shadowrun uh, Returns. Everyone, how did you cheat your way through that? There's console commands. So oh, so you really my character... did just blast your way through that? Oh, okay. 
I gave my character all the AP I needed to Andy, do all the stuff this is just my way of just trying to get to the story. I don't want to worry about the <laughs> gameplay. Sure. Oh, and that's the thing. There are, like, I've finally gotten to the point now where there are um, various characters who will give you busy work. I mean, it's busy work. Yeah. It, there, are, there are impacts in the world, but it's busy work. There are all these settlements you can establish, and uh, through the Minutemen, you will learn that, you're like, oh, well, this settlement is under attack, or this settlement has a problem with raiders or ghouls, and you have to go and clear out a place uh, near that settlement of raiders or of ghouls. And they've sent me, and now a couple of times, to places I've already been, and I've oh, already cleared no. out. Oh, yeah, okay. And it's... And on the one hand, I was like, God damn it, this game is too big for me to be repeating things. But on the other hand, I went to one of the, I had, I had to revisit one of the first places I ever went to in the game. Mm-hmm. And now I had the ability to uh, lockpick things and hack into computers. I did it before. So oh, very nice. to that degree, I was like, okay, this is actually, I got something from this. Hmm. Aww. Hmm. But I won't the next time they send me there. Fuck's sake. I wonder if he, like, Dear Lord. I wonder how much room there is in the game for you to get, like, all the, unlock all the perks, or if you're really kind of stuck with a specific path that you're choosing. Um, I feel like if you... Well, I mean, there is a level cap at uh, 50 points. Oh, there is uh, a, level yeah. 50. At least there is now. Oh, um, I'm, I'm sure, sure they'll... get bumped up with, like, future DLC yeah. and stuff, but yeah. Yeah. I'm at level 34, so I'm, I'm clocking along there. Um, um, hmm, okay. But uh, I've kind of got all the perks I want on my character. Now it's all just, like, optional stuff. Like, like, all I wanted... I just want to be a killer with a, with a, uh, with a pistol and have all of my uh, lady killer... Or, excuse me, my um, Black Widow perks and all of my trade perks. Black and Widow my perks? Is that so like you do more damage against men? You do more damage against men, and also your charisma attempts against men are more likely okay, to succeed. Okay, that's what it is, yeah. yeah. I have that maxed out. <laughs> oh, I did just get to... The last thing I did in the game uh, was I got to... Uh, what's the town with the with the pirate captain, the ghoul pirate captain? Hancock, you got the good neighbor. Yeah, I got the good neighbor, yeah. I literally I just walked through the door, neighbor. met the mayor, and that was it. I saved out right there, yeah. Bill, when you get to Good Neighbor, I gotta give you a pro tip. Do the busy work for Kent. I think I told you this already, but I love Kent's, the little mission that gets unlocked from doing Kent's busy work. It cracks me up because there are, so there are core quests in the game where you'll get actually like a quest like icon about and there's a little quest thing in your quest markers. And then there are other things in the game that'll just come up as miscellaneous. And like there's just a miscellaneous quest bucket and you go in there, there's a whole bunch of little objectives. And at first I thought those were just where all the nickel and dime bullshit objectives went that don't really matter. Yeah. But I did I did a couple of them and they all unlocked big quests. Like in the case of Kent, Kent gets you a little like nickel and dime miscellaneous quest that turns into a whole quest line that's a lot of fun. Mm, okay. And then there's another one where you can actually recruit Hancock if you go down this one miscellaneous quest line and otherwise it's not an option at all. Okay. So it's it's just like this game is just there's just so can many layers Hancock to it. As a uh, as a companion? Yeah. Oh shit. Yeah. Okay. So he's one of the 13 yeah. companions then. It's not just like a temporary companion but Okay. No. Yeah. So it's yeah. There's just there's that's the thing that cr- that kind of makes me nuts about this game is that there are so many layers and it's hard to tell if you're peeling off like one of two layers or if you're peeling off one of nineteen layers yeah, yeah, <laughs> at yeah, any yeah, given yeah. moment. <laughs> and there are moments and there, I get like this um, anxiety as I leave a location because I'm like, did I suck all the marrow from that location? Because it sure there sure seemed like there maybe was more going on there. Yeah. And is it just like ambient filler to make the world feel rich? 
Witcher? Or is there actually some sort of mission going on with that? Well, especially that? if, like, sometimes you can come back later if you have some kind of new skill, like better lockpicking or better hacking. You might be able to find something, but not only if you come back, but then you have to make sure you remember to come back. And there have been a few it seems times like you don't have to worry about that so much anymore, but... Um, There's a few times where I fast traveled to the location, and as soon as I get there, someone is there to talk to me about something that I did. And I keep thinking, like, what about all the places I haven't fast traveled to? What's going on? How did I not lend you my Pip Boy for all this? Because I don't. You, okay, because we do technically in our household use the Pip Boy app, but I don't ever use it because it's so much more cumbersome to the pull up my phone and pull up all that. But this thing, Foley, I think I mentioned this, Foley will, when I'm in a combat situation or something and I get distracted, part of the reason why I haven't died as often is because Foley keeps an eye on my health. Aww. And she she will, like, give me a stim pack or she'll be very strategic about it. She's like, okay, well, Annie has this much radiation and needs this <laughs> much health, so this is the best way to go or yeah. this or that. It's really Where cute. Where the hell are you she's getting Radaways right from? Because that's my biggest problem with that game so far is I can't – I keep on running out of uh, anti-radiation stuff. Um, I've gotten to a point where now I can craft them with the right materials. Oh, okay. And I just pick up everything that's not nailed down in the world. Oh. So I've, I've found them in the world. But on the other hand, Bill, I'm playing on very easy. Yeah. So I still maybe can't believe on very easy, there's just more of them in the world. They've created a system. This is, I think, from like aside from bug stuff, I think this is one of the big, the, the the big design problem I'm having with the game is the fact that they actually made all the junk in the world useful, but did not increase your <laughs> fucking ability to carry all that bullshit with you. So you're like, you even, have to be strategic about it. I Otherwise, know, you just like, have infinite kind of resources. You have a higher threshold for that stuff than most other people. Where it's like, I do. oh my god. Ugh. Well, I just know, and I know this from the fucking original Fallout games, that there is an aspect of the game and an aspect of the experience is inventory management. I yeah. think that's one of the reasons why you and I didn't have such an awful time with Dragon Age Inquisition in that regard. Because I'm used to some degree to an arcane inventory system. But I will say this, one thing that I missed desperately from from Dragon Age Inquisition is, A, the ability, is, the ability to mark things for sale so that you can just auto-sell them the next time you go to a camp. Yeah. And B, the ability to press down on one of the triggers and have, like, that pulse go around you and just show highlight what's selectable. Mm -hmm. So, mm -hmm. you know, you can see the cruft from exactly, the actual yeah. usable things. So I they, miss those two things They could have made sorting through all the garbage and carrying all that garbage a little bit better if they, if they were going to make so much of the new stuff they added to the game hinge on you collecting all that garbage. But, you know. I, don't, I, like, I, feel like, I feel like it's a risk. It's part of the whole risk-reward structure. I, 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 I respect that. And I all together, it, although that would have been fun, too, but... They could have Bill, the answer you an extra is you just points or something like oh you my God, boost your armor skill. You boost your armor skills so you can craft deep pockets on your I mean, armor, I can't and then you boost your endurance skills so, you so I can much. carry a hundred pounds more say, stuff. But yeah. yeah, asshole, you literally unlock that ability. Saying. And there's a perk on your perk tree where you can carry more weight, and your companions can carry more weight, Bill. So it's all about the strategy of the world. I did duplicate a shitload of fusion cores too, so at least with the power armor stuff, I should be okay for a while. Man, who gives a shit about power? There's something about power people armor. People love that about makes power armor. Feel... I keep on people hearing people no. talk about how they customize their power armor to look like a hot rod and stuff i i'll believe that people are having a lot of fun with it and that people and like it looks like this but again this is like a whole other system in fallout that i'm not even engaging with yeah. and there's so many systems i don't even miss it like i have like 30 fusion cores that i found in the world just sitting in my inventory unused because i never it's one of those things where like whenever there's a precious resource in the game you have this instinct not to use it yeah that's so kind of one of the things too is like yeah and, and the game with uh, 140 uh, fusion cores but it's like you gotta, you know, sometimes you have to, 
God, I'm knuckled down. Like, I never use any... Like, anything? it's funny, because I always carry all of the, the, the aid stuff with me that I have ever, just in case I need, oh, like, any kind of random thing. And that I can only, get the really ones heavy. I really use are, like, the Rataways and the, and the uh, whatever kind of healing stuff. I never use, like, Buff Out or Jet X or anything like that, or... Yeah, that's that for me as a recovering addict, I feel weird about using alcohol and drugs and games. It's uh, just something that. that like psychologically I just can't do. Which there is a companion you get in the game who really likes it when you use drugs in front of them. So, oh, like, really? I want that's them to terrible. be my friends. But I don't... Well, on the other hand, I had uh, one companion where I went through an, an, an arc where I essentially put them through detox. And I absently, during a battle, when I was way overwhelmed, was like, I need an edge. And the first time in the entire game, I used a drug. And they hated it. They're like, oh. what are you doing? What's wrong with him? Oh. And I'm like, dude, we have like 50 super mutants shooting at us. Calm down. <laughs> but I will say this. Oh, man. So I was playing the other night and I um, uh, something happened in the world. That was so metal and so cool and has so changed the scenarios that I keep coming across that I was just like screaming at the television. I was like, no way! What? My poor Foley was asleep sick and I'm just hooting and hollering at the television. I felt like an asshole. Was it something that changed but the fucking, world or was it just like a yeah. one off? Yeah. Yeah, it's so delicious. Did you, did you blow Fallout. up Diamond City or something? I love Fallout. No, no, no. Something, a new faction came into play. I'll oh, just say that. Oh, no. Okay. So, delicious. Oh, delicious. you would hope it would be somebody from the West Coast or something like that. Just kind of like broadsiding everybody or I don't know. Man, okay. I will say this slight spoiler for uh, Fallout. I try to be oblique, but there's this one companion you pick up at one point, and I'm like, oh, you're just an asshole mercenary. I don't care about you. Whatever. But his name sounded kind of familiar, so Uh-oh. I just sent him to one of my settlements and, like, didn't think about him for a second. And then someone had to point out to me, oh, you mean McCready, who is the mayor of Little Lamplighter in uh, Fallout 3. You meet him as an adult in this game, and he's a recruitable companion. I heard that there was some kind of, like, very specific character carryover from Fallout 3 to this. I don't know if that's yeah. it, but okay. Yeah, that seems like what it. Was I mean, Little Lamplighter in Fallout Three. That was, I think, it was actually Little Lamplight. I think is it wrong? Or that's something. the that's the town that's all kids. Oh really? Oh geez, I totally forgot about that. Yeah, huh, and he okay. was the mayor with his little miner's hat. I just actually Which it the makes last sense, thing I did. You're not that far away from the DC wasteland in this world. Granted, it's hard to travel around in in the post apocalyptic wasteland of Fallout, but yeah, hmm, yeah. Um, it's, uh, uh, I, last night I gave him a little miner's helmet. No, I can have more now. I'm trying to take him around because, uh, I want to befriend all of my companions and hear more of their backstory and do more stuff. Like, um, my favorite companion in the game is this one guy who you meet and I actually just unlocked his big, like, for lack of a better term, loyalty mission. Mm Mm-hmm. And it's killing me because it's a fetch quest to fetch 10 items throughout the world, scattered throughout the world. And they're not even on my map. I have to find this one specific sort of location that will have each of these 10 things. And he's my favorite character. So I'm like, what are you doing to me? That makes me hurt. And I've barely touched the game. Oh. Because, like I said, oh. I don't mind. It's just, like, there's... I love the Fallout world, and I love just digging around with it and exploring, and I love the ambient storytelling you encounter. Yeah. But there's a lot of busy work in these games. <laughs> I'm glad you're having a good time with it, even though you, even you're running uh, running against the cruft that even that's kind of, like, even scratching your ass a little bit, where it's like, ugh. 
But well, it's like I, I don't, I don't, I accept that it's part of yeah, yeah, yeah the face yeah. of modern gaming, and also it's like there can only be so much A plus 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 quality content. Oh yeah, especially in a game this big. Yeah, not all of it's going to be star material. Um, there was a really interesting article that came out this week, and I can't remember the name of the gentleman who wrote it. He was uh, one of the lead uh, development leads on um, Bioshock Two, and uh, uh, just is a really smart guy. And he wrote about how um, one of the, he was basically in writing in defense of Fallout 4's bugginess, and he was talking about the culture, the company culture at Bethesda. I didn't know that Fallout Four was made by a team of a hundred people. Mm-hmm. That's crazy, and that Skyrim was made by a team of eighty people. That's pretty crazy, yeah. That's well, nuts I mean, to think of. I think uh, the the team that made The Witcher Three, which is just as big as Fallout Four, I mean, I think that's like may even be a smaller because that's a tiny like little what, like Swedish studio or something like that. Yeah, yeah. So yeah, it is interesting. But it just makes you think what... of like how many yeah. thousands of people are involved in a Grand Theft Auto, you know. Yeah. And like, like hundreds and hundreds of people on each and every Assassin's Creed. I wonder if Bethesda does the thing because this is a, this is the thing I keep on hearing about modern day video games is like the untold, like the kind of the known secret is that like most of the artwork you see in games these days, at least in terms of just like, out. yeah, it's like 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 that rock over there was kind of like designed and made by somebody in China that was paid like ten cents an hour for like their work, but you know like the main characters and stuff will be designed and put together by by, like, you know, Western, you know, the people actually work at the studio, but um, I kind of wonder how much, yeah, it's interesting, I wonder if they did any outsourcing for Fallout 4, if it really was just those hundred people just working for four straight years with not, not doing nothing else. I don't know, that's kind of interesting, okay. Yeah, I don't know. Yeah. And that's the sort of thing you just never get to know, you know? It's like the usually the whole point of those secret contracts well, exactly, is yeah. that they're secret, yeah. you know? Um, so um, let's, uh, yeah, there's one of those game art studios in Eugene, isn't there? Like Something one of like the that. contractors, I can't remember what their names are. They're one of the major development studios in the yeah. area. Well, it's, uh, yeah, it's easy to but, forget there's actually like contract studios like that in the States that actually kind of like, yeah, 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 that all they do is produce, produce content for bigger games that they will barely get credit for. But yeah, but yeah, you know, Fallout 4, I have to say, I'm really, I, I like the thrust of it so far. I think they picked up some interesting choices, like in terms of the factions that they set up here the the thrust of the narrative even though like you know i feel like people who have motherhood issues are enjoying the narrative more than uh, most people are but uh i, I don't you know mean, I like, what kind of motherhood issues that they want to be mothers or they hate their mothers or like what no, no, be issues around the idea of motherhood. Oh, okay, yeah. Because this game is actually helping me deal with a lot of my horse shit, I have to say. Really? Okay. But in interesting ways. But uh, I like, I don't know, I like the sort of stories they're telling. And Where's my baby? I, I'm, hitting, I'm hitting the point now, though, where I'm like, I, I, I think I'm finally, I finally interacted with all the factions of the game all except right. for two. And uh, and I've I've really like to some degree really truly in depth interacting. You haven't with them. met the LARPers in the Southwest, right? Man, I would respect this game so much if there were a LARPing community, like a post-apocalyptic LARPing community, exactly, yeah. where they just reuse a bunch of Skyrim assets. That would be beautiful. <laughs> beautiful. But, like, just kind of put some duct tape on a couple of those assets just to make it look like homemade. But yeah, <laughs> exactly. Uh, that would be Skyrim really hat, beautiful. like this, the, the the Skyrim helmet, except just made out of tin can, but it still has the horns on the side and everything like that. Yeah. But it, it's interesting because now I'm like, I'm like, okay, uh, all right, factions, I'm here, I'm ready to get in deep with y'all and really get into it. 
it, like, great, go clear all the ghouls out of this location. How do you feel like, that you're doing all this? Let me... You're ignoring the story. How does this feel that, that knowing that your son's out there and you've spent 90 hours not doing anything to, like, further your search for your son? That's really, I mean, it's really hard. I talked about that a little bit last week, the whole sense of your child. Their yeah. t- literally time is passing and you are a parent Sean. and the child is drifting. And uh, uh, it's interesting. Some stuff happened recently that should add to my character's urgency yeah. in, uh, in in wanting to get this resolved. But there's just so much shit That's what I was kind of wondering. You were talking about how this would like kind of like tinker with people's motherhood issues but if you're like in a game where you're kind of ignoring your son for most of the game like i was that yeah, yeah. i was kind of wondering like how like what what is a greater <laughs> what is a greater way to articulate one's motherhood issues than i have this child <laughs> but i've got things to do fuck so... it i gotta grow vegetables wait for three years i got crops to come in yeah so um, yeah, yeah so what's up uh, what's up with sacred heart Oh, yeah, so I finished reading a book this morning. Uh, my dear, dear pal Kate Craig got me as a gift uh, a graphic novel collection called Sacred Heart. Apparently, it is a collection of a comic that had run as a webcomic. And uh, I really, really enjoyed Sacred Heart. Highly recommend it. It's hard to talk about because it is more about character and place and tone and mood than it is about actual actions. Mm-hmm. Um, it's interesting because sometimes when you read web web comics, you can really tell the ones where people had like an overarching idea and they're heading to a very inevitable conclusion versus kind of riffing as they go and expanding as they go. Mm -hmm. And this one, had I not known, had I not been told that it was a web comic, I would not had guessed that it was a web comic. There's an interesting sort of easygoing pacing to it that I really, really enjoyed. And the composition is super good. Oh, yeah. from no, it's, it's got panel. interesting black and white art. It looks like it's drawn Page to well. page. Yeah. It's about these um, teenagers in a community and uh, dealing with this, uh, uh, their relationships and uh, with each other and with themselves over the course of this one summer. Um, and uh, to t- I can't to talk too much about and there is there is a sense of dread about it. There are clearly things that you don't know, and there's a strong sense of ambiguity to the world that I really liked that kind of played into all the uncertainty of being a teenager and trying to figure out who you are and like trying to act mature like you know what you're doing when really you're just figuring it out as you go and dealing with sex for the first time and dealing with alcohol and the temptation of drugs and all this other shit and figuring out who you are and expecting to act like like an adult when you're still like a fucking child and that the uncertainty of the world kind of ties nicely into that feeling because you as a reader you know i i'm well on the other side of being a teenager but having that ambiguity and uncertainty in the world kind of dredged up those feelings of uncertainty and not understanding of how i felt when i was a teenager and it's interesting is that even though this comic did not reflect my experiences at all um uh, there's still enough truth there and enough realness there for it to resonate, even as things are a little surreal and and a little othered and alien and just really good, good comic. I, I recommend it highly. Yeah, I just uh, googled uh, Sacred Heart comic and brought me to LizSuburbia.com. And uh, yeah, I'm looking at the artwork right now. I, the artwork looks kind of like very like uh, Love and Rockets, Jaime Hernandez kind of influenced. <laughs> Um, it's kind of a punk sort of thing. Yeah, it reminds me of uh, if um, yeah. if uh, Love and Rockets and uh, an artist named Simon Gain made out, the result would be this. Yeah. And uh, it's just really 
competent as shit and kind of self-assured and i don't know i just really enjoyed it the storytelling i should say the characters are not. yeah everything in this world is really <laughs> grubby oh man this guy's got a super jaime hernandez uh, boner um that's that's really cool that that that's awesome yeah that's but yeah this it's it's it, it, i i would it, i went and looked at it online a little bit it looks like it's still going online it's something that is worth getting the book and sitting down and reading in one setting and I can't imagine having read this installment by installment. It's just, uh, it's something that benefits so much from being consumed in one go and letting those feelings and everything wash over you and overwhelm you. And also, frankly, the the thing about comics that are ultimately about, like, inti- like I- an intimate look into characters is that I, I'm like, it's a very different sort of payoff to pace it out over years as opposed to consuming it in one go. Like, I can't imagine following that story day by day yeah. or even week by week as opposed to just sit- sitting down and consuming uh, it. Oh, somebody but, menstruated. Uh, oh my god, what kind of comic is this? Ugh. Even that scene is actually a big spoiler, dude. So oh, uh, oh. don't keep going. Don't you need to stop reading? Don't read that scene anymore okay. because you need to read it from the start, dude. There's don't a great be little like, almost sex scene too. That's actually very cute. Um, there, are, there's a lot of sex scenes in that book. Actually, these uh, teens get around. Get, get so you're get, reading get a print version out. of this. Yeah, man, yeah. that's actually this looks really cool. I could see this being it's really a cool, really... like uh, actual book book to read. I, I will happily loan it to you because it's really worth giving some oh, time to. Or I could to. support the artist and writer, uh, Liz Suburbia. Liz Suburbia looks awesome. Yeah, it's just a really good... Like I said, it's it's. I'm always impressed by authors whose storytelling feels very true and immediate, even when it's something that is not necessarily your experience. Mm, so it's cool. uh, Super cool. good shit. Read Sacred Heart for Fanagraphics <laughs> on Amazon.com oh, right no, now. It's actually like published by Fanagraphics. That's totally is a Fanagraphics kind of book then. Yeah, okay. Yeah, it's very, uh, without getting too spoilery, it's like it's just like these teenagers who are in a situation without adult supervision and yeah. what, cool. what goes on. So it's that really cool. super, super good. I really enjoyed reading it. It was one of those things where I finished reading it and I immediately wanted to, my friend Kate lives like 2,500 miles away. I immediately wanted to hop on my bicycle and go over and hang out and like, Kate, let's have some coffee and talk and rap about Sacred Heart. Kate's got great taste and everything. She does. She got She's great taste in, in 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 wives and friends and comics and video games that she works on. Yeah. She's a good um, kid. Anyway, Bill, tell me uh, what's what else is going on in your life this week. Uh, no, the only other thing I did this week was play a shitload of Star Wars uh, Battlefront. Um, there's not Ooh. much other to say than if you like the Star Wars movies, you'll probably at least like running around in that game for 10 minutes. Um, the game really is as deep as a sidewalk. It's not bad. But it really is just almost completely just online stuff. It was worth buying, though, uh, just to have it on hand for... Uh, yeah, people came over uh, yesterday. We recorded... Uh, this will go up later on the Boy Howdy feed this week. Uh, probably either Tuesday or Wednesday. But we recorded a podcast commentary for The Empire Strikes Back. And um, so uh, both before and after the commentary, I was showing off everybody Battlefront. Man, especially Mike Russell 
was like totally like, oh my god, I can't believe video games can look like this. It actually looks like the movies and sounds like the movies and everything. And uh, so he was like running around on on Endor, blowing up people on a Hoth, and and Leland was here, and like yeah, they were like doing a like first person speeder bike chase and racing and stuff, and just just uh, just as like like essentially a console game tech demo to show like fellow nerds, it's almost worth having on hand. Um, I've barely. Do you not find it compelling as a multiplayer experience? Not really, because like the like, it's very shallow in terms of like, the only stuff to collect in the game are like Call of Duty has this super robust like as you play the more you play the more you can kind of like unlock new guns and get like crazy new sights and new add-ons for the guns. This game doesn't have that. There's only like maybe a dozen guns to unlock in the game. There's no, no you can't really tweak the guns at all, which it's not necessarily a bad thing. But this is very much it feels like a shooter from like. Other people have mentioned this, but it's dead on. It's totally, like, in terms of the quality of the gameplay, it's about as deep as, like, a first-person shooter from, like, the Nintendo 64 or, like, PlayStation 2 era uh, before games, like, really, like, especially with the the advent of Call of Duty really added, like, all these kind of branching upgrade paths for both your character and your equipment. This doesn't have that. You really pretty much choose a couple basic, like, oh, I got this, like, I either have electric grenade or a normal grenade, or I have a shotgun, or I have a normal gun, or I have, like, a pistol, and you just kind of run around, like, there's a whole bunch of different objective-based stuff where you can just, but you're still just kind of running around, like, kind of shooting at people, and, which, it it sounds sounds stupid, because it sounds like I'm describing every first-person shooter ever made, but in the last decade or so, there has actually been an evolution of first-person shooting, that this game kind of ignores and the fact that there's really no single player content is is really mm-hmm. is kind of a bummer you're playing $60 for a game that you can really only play online with other people and which wouldn't be so bad yeah if the gameplay wasn't just kind of really shallow but it looks really pretty mm-hmm. um mm-hmm. the one big thing in the game is i have actually barely touched any of the first person shooty stuff uh there is one mode in the game where it's nothing but spaceships and that's what i've been playing almost exclusively um, really? Because, well, the first-person stuff, like I said, it's, it's fine, but it's a little simple. But a lot of the stages in the game where you're playing, where you're on foot, first-person... Well, you can switch between first-person and third-person, but uh, most of the stages where you're on foot, there's enough verticality to the stages, like up-and-down stuff, that you really... There's a jetpack you can unlock when you, like, get to, like, level 13 in the game. And without that jetpack, it's just really hard to kind of get around because there's so many things you have to kind of mm-hmm. climb and get up on and, and, and stuff sure. that when you're just kind of like trudging on foot and you have a very tiny, like very kind of weak little jump uh, with the jetpack, it gets jetpack makes getting around the stages like a lot more fun. And so I was pretty much I so I pretty much ignored all the on foot stuff until just last night when uh I finally got to level 13 by playing exclusively through the, just like the space combat stuff, which is funny. It's actually not even space combat. All the aerial dogfighting stuff actually takes place. It's not even in space, but like, you're just like flying over like the surface of like Tatooine or Endor and and stuff like that. But yeah, so I spent the whole week just like flying around in X-Wing fighters and TIE fighters and (laughs) you can get power-ups that turn you into the Millennium Falcon or a Boba Fett ship. And, uh, it's, it's, it's still pretty fun. Even as a flying game, it's super... Like I said, because you're not in space, so you don't have, like, a full 360 sphere of movement. You're still just kind of, like, it's more Star Fox than it is, like, a deep space fighting sim. Yeah, but still, interesting. This is actually Star Fox, but with, like, a very pretty Star Wars skin on top, which is not bad. But, again, Star Fox is a game from, like, 20 years ago. But it's, it's yeah, really pretty, really shallow. It's, like, this this Star Wars Battlefront is the Entertainment Weekly of Star Wars video games. <laughs> 
<laughs> not bad. There's lots of pretty things to look at. The information is a little bit, but yes, it's 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 Star Wars Battlefront. You, you know, you, you like you you know if you want it, you want it. And if you don't, you know, you're not interested. There's nothing going to be here to draw anyone in that if you're not already into Star Wars or this kind of gameplay. But it's not bad. Hmm. Um, Interesting. It is weird because there's only huh. like. Is there only like three planets in the game that you're actually battling on? There's uh, Hoth, there's Endor, and there's Sullust, which is a lava planet. Oh, and Tatooine, so there's four planets. Uh, which you kind of wonder, like, especially like something like Cloud City or Dagobah. There's like way more environments that you think that they would have thrown into this game. But again, they did al- announce a $50 DLC for the game. And I'm assuming like that's when you'll get that stuff. And, sure. Like, yeah, I almost threw down the thirty dollars season pass for Fallout DLC, and then I just stopped there and went, "What the fuck is wrong with me? I have enough Fallout Four as it is on my plate. Well, you'll what buy it eventually. It's just a matter a if you buy it now or buy it later." Yeah, it's like I don't need a second helping of Fallout Four right now. <laughs> yeah, you can <laughs> Still wait like halfway through I'll my dinner. Come out the first DLC for that like next spring or summer. Um, yeah. So you got plenty of time, but yeah, there's no reason to like go crazy on that shit right now. Um. But I'm I'm sorry that it's uh, kind of a, a battlefront is not uh, the ass blasting experience you wanted it to be. Yeah, it's it's funny because people last night were we were talking about how pretty the game looks, and it would be amazing if you took all the assets from Battlefront and actually turned it into a real. Essentially, if you had like a Bioware RPG in the original Star Wars universe using the assets from. Granted, I know that's not no how games work. You can, you can't necessarily just take like, all, all the assets from a first-person shooting game and just put them into an, a role-playing game. But they put so much work into the audio-visual stuff in that game uh, yeah. that it is kind of a shame if it just gets wasted on this one thing. It almost feels like this should be, like, for, just from a technological asset perspective, they should be able to recycle some of this stuff into other, I don't know, like like the Amy Henning game, whatever that's going to be. Yeah. Should, like, ideally, yeah. would use some of the assets and, like, some of the technology from this game. Granted, different studios do use different engines, and assets don't port from one engine to another very easily, if at all. But I don't know. I don't, I don't know. I feel like there's there was a golden moment in... And granted, this is entirely me from the outside. There was a golden moment where everyone you knew, and, and you and, and Joshin and everybody, were all playing Call of Duty. Yeah. And you could guarantee that if you wanted to chat with your friends or, like, do anything like that, it's like, yeah, well, I'll go hop on to Call of Duty. Yeah. And, like, now there just has not been that moment again since like it was yeah there, there was we will yeah. go play halo we'll go play call of duty and now it's just there's that, been this diaspora that's part of the reason why so many people including myself are really excited for destiny because it seemed like destiny was going to be that next game where everyone had it right. everyone was going to be on it all the time and maybe if they're not on it all the time but it'd still be off on it often enough that like you'd yeah, just you kind of see everybody online like your online social gang would be on there um, but yeah, that didn't work out because Destiny is a piece, not a piece of shit. It's a beautiful game that I, is very pretty and that I, I don't hate Destiny. <laughs> so it's a <laughs> passive aggressive against it, but, um, but yeah, Destiny did, did not turn out to be the, 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 the media, the, the social hub that everyone kind I of. I feel like there's this, 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 this hope for this golden summer to return Which, and it may, well, never will. Granted, I guess that's, that kind of like kind of social hub stuff is easier to pull off on PC, but it's weird that like games, especially now that we're in, we're a decade into where consoles all have always online 
stuff going on. It's weird that you don't have more games that just don't have, like, persistent, just always on, go online, hang out with your friends stuff. Um, and I guess that's kind of like what Sony tried to do with PlayStation Home, where it wasn't a game, but it was at least, like, online, essentially like an online Facebook where you can go hang out and see what everyone else is up to and maybe launch into games from there. But it's weird that, like, yeah, there's not, like, console online social stuff is still really lacking. It hasn't really evolved in the last, like, decade. That's really weird. Yeah, it's interesting that it seems like now it seems like the unlock is more like linking your console to other social things that actually matter to you. Yeah. Like being able to post to Facebook or Twitter, be able to launch a Twitch stream or, you know, it's all, it's interesting. It's things that take you outside of your console. But yeah, you think there'd be more platforms that like on consoles. Yeah, yeah, it's it's really weird that, uh, I guess the PlayStation Home thing must have been a failure, but it would be interesting if each console had like, like if if you had Xbox Gold or like PlayStation Plus, like somewhere you can go on socially and just kind of like hang out with people, like maybe leave message. Which I great, I guess that's taking all of the stuff that's on the front end of your console anyway, and just kind of turning it into a three yeah. D space because you can still leave messages yeah. and see sure. who's online whenever you hop and online. And it's, like, it's not like who this... uses that? Yeah, like really, it's like it's it's something that's so it's such a great idea, but it's so hard to do well, so easy to do poorly, and it's it's stuff like the Me Plaza stuff and and your. EU is like really compelling and fun like the first thir- 30 minutes you used it and then it how often like, have you I looked doing? at it yeah yeah it's like something that it's so easy to pump so much money and time into something that is ultimately just a novelty you got to make it more you know? compelling than masturbating that's the thing if you find yourself <laughs> sitting there going you know what? i could be beaten off or uh, jilling off right now I could. This could be time better well spent doing something else. Yeah, that's that's kind of the threshold you have to cross. Judge, I judge all art over whether it is greater or lesser than flicking my beam. Well, yeah, no, that's the thing. You're sitting there by yourself, and then, like after half after the no- first half hour novelty of doing something wears off, you have like what do you do? You could turn off the console, or you could yeah, you could you could have fun with yourself. And you know you've won if you've made playing, like, interacting with the, the tech thing that you have in front of you is more interesting than just, like, going off into a corner and just, yeah, ha- like, just abusing yourself. Um, yeah. And with that, everybody, we're going to take a little break. <laughs> we'll be back <laughs> for the Geek Week the interview. That's I swear. Yeah. I'm going to go get some water. That's okay. all. We'll be back. <laughs> Christ. A dead man called out for his love to flee. Strange things did happen here, no stranger would it be If we met at midnight in the hanging tree Hey pals, we're back and it's time for the Geek Week interview for uh, those of y'all who've listened to this podcast before. And if this is your first time, God help you. This is the part of our podcast where Bill has made notes uh, from the news of the week that was, and I am reading them oftentimes for the first time. So let's go on this journey together. Uh, 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 Bill starts. Fuck you. We're having some slight yeah. We're having some slight connection issues over Google Hangouts. So yeah, the, the finished audio for this podcast sounds a little. Uh, 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 that's why. But yeah. Anyway. Yeah, it's, it will be so uncommon for us to have weird audio. Yeah, exactly, yeah. Won't be the first time. Won't be the last. Friends, uh, rumored Mass Effect details came to light this week. Uh, there was a post on NeoGAF that Bill shared with me just before he started recording, and uh, basically purporting that uh, a lot of the gameplay is not dissimilar from uh, what we are familiar to in the Mass Effect formula. Yeah, uh, just that, again, you're still running around with the Andromeda Galaxy. 
Um, you're running around with a three-party setup of your main character and two squad mates. Um, you play as the Pathfinder instead of... Uh, what was your title in the first Mass Effect game? You're, you're a Spectre. You're a Spectre, that's what it is. So I guess now you're a Pathfinder instead of a Spectre. Um, it's still interesting that they had What's-Her-Face, uh, Femshep, voice that first trailer that they came out with just like two weeks ago. But um, Well, I don't know if I'd call that a trailer. They just did that for N7 Day, yeah, which I thought was really too. sweet. It's interesting that they chose her for N7 Day it then. Was... Um, you're finding new home for the human yeah! race. Um, which makes sense considering how fucked up Earth got in that last game. Uh, I don't know if you're finding a home for all the races from our solar system, because our, not our solar system, from our galaxy, because, like, the whole galaxy got fucked up in that last game. Um, at last, all of my, uh, Mass Effect Titan AE crossover fan exactly, fiction exactly, will come true. Yeah. Um, you have jetpacks, Omni tools can be used for, uh, to, you can deploy a shield in combat, pretty much the same weapons. Uh, facial features are supposed to be one of the big things that's getting getting an improvements. Uh, your new ship is an entirely different layout from the Normandy. You have balconies so you can observe like the Mako Bay and the Pathfinder's quarters. Uh, I'm trying to think of anything. Uh, strike missions from the ship. I wonder. Yeah. It's like. I, I honestly, I'm fine with with the new Mass Effect game just being an evolution of a Mass Effect game. I have no That's the one thing that... Just, like, a refining of... Yeah, I I, I, kind of think that this is probably more likely to be true than not just because it sounds so much like the old Mass Effect games. This this sounds kind of like, rather than, like, ten entire... Re- it, it wouldn't be an entire reinvention of Mass Effect. It would just be like, oh, it's Mass Effect now with, with like, like three new major features. Like, oh, like, I guess you can conduct missions from the ship, kind of like maybe Assassin's Creed, where you can send out, like, your dudes to do stuff while you're, like, actually doing missions yourself. And, like, yeah, oh, jump packs and slightly better faces and, yeah, and stuff like that, so. Um, yeah, I wonder if Bioware was burned enough by reinventing the wheel between the various Dragon Age games that they're very consciously trying to stay yeah. the course. The weird thing more. is that supposedly you're still working with Cerberus somehow. Um, which that sounds kind of like... You, you mentioned that before, but I don't see that mentioned anywhere in any of the things that you... On the NeoGAF thread, the next to last thing is during, during early build combat, enemies dropped in via Cerberus ships. Unsure if this is a placeholder legit. Well, it's like, but... That doesn't, that's saying enemies are dropped in. Oh, enemies are dropped in, but still Cerberus! So that's not you working for Cerberus. How do they get to a new fucking galaxy? Fuck those guys. Doesn't the head of Cerberus Bill, die in that last bad, game? Everybody was stranded. Wasn't just that doesn't mean that there aren't Cerberus members in the world. Just because Hitler died, it didn't mean all just the so Nazis. You kill Martin Sheen in the West Wing. Shit gets fucked up. You kill Martin Sheen. Oh my God, Bill! I did it. I was the person. I alluded to Hitler <laughs> in this conversation. Christ. <laughs> um. So. I, I removed myself from the conversation. I'm not worthy of it anymore. Do you think we're getting next fall? Do you think it's going to be that soon? That's where it's... That's the date, isn't it? Didn't they say next next December? Did, that, did they announce that? I think I think that is what they it's, talked it about. It seems like they're on Mass schedule. Like, they, they, like, it's been what, a couple years since... When did Mass Effect 3 come out? Let's see. Mass Effect 3. Uh, December 2016 is the uh, applauded. Oh yeah, and that'll have been four. Man, Mass it's been almost four Andromeda. years since. Holy shit! Mass Effect Three, man. Yeah, Mass Effect Three Ugh. came out in 2012. Ugh. Yeah. 
I'm excited. It's going to be in the, the, what is the fuck is it called? The snow light or whatever the hell it is. Engine that Dragon Age Inquisition was in. So it'll be all, but they'll know it a little better now. And, She'll and, be delicious. And, and, yeah. I, I even forgot what studio, because I know it's a new studio delicious. working on this too. So it's not necessarily the same team that did. Uh, I don't know. We'll see. We, we got we, we're going to be hearing nothing about, about it's going to be next year. It's going to be Mass Effect 4 talk all fucking year long. It's going to be essentially what Fallout 4 was this year, where we're going to be waiting for like news at E3 and then E3 is going to have the big, like, this is the day it's coming out. I wonder, we still do have, is it next week? Or uh, within the next two weeks, they got the Video Game Awards, which is, like, essentially Christmas uh, E3, where that's, like, you get big games, like, who knows? They could <laughs> yeah. actually have, like, some kind of release date announced there or something like that. Who knows? We'll see. Um, yeah, so. Yeah, I'm curious to, there hasn't been, I feel like there hasn't been as much ramp up for, like, reveals at the Game Awards yeah, this year, like, like last, year, last like, year. Yeah, I, I think they're being a little bit more guarded. Uh, I don't know if that was partially, too, because, like, with, with a new console generation, everyone was being a little more, like, kind of playing things close to the vest, because everyone's, like, with, like, new tech and new games and some new franchises and stuff, everyone's kind of, I don't know, not, not, not being so much like, oh, yeah, we got this new thing coming, I don't know, we'll see. Um, yeah, so we'll find out. Yeah, I'm just curious because I, I mean, that's, we all, we all of us don't care so much about the awards. It's mostly just about them. What yeah. news we got to hear that's about? A, what the we video game awards have been pretty kind of transparently, despite like pretending to be the Oscars of gaming. It's really has been like, hey, here's new trailer for like, yeah, maybe Dark Souls 4 will be announced or, you know, some kind of shit like that. So, oh, uh, yeah, nothing was more telling than how there were some awards that were just kind of casually handed on the side. Like, stepping out yeah. of their, like, gremlin cars, and, like, they're like, oh, I, I, there's no ceremony for, like, the best voice actor this year? You just give it to me as soon as I step out of my, like, I just parked my car. <laughs> And you're rushing me right back out the door just so you have extra time to show off, like, the fucking Mass Effect 4 trailer. Yeah, it's, yeah. Um, yeah. Uh, meanwhile, elsewhere in the Geek Week interview, Bill very, uh, uh, complexly and in great detail notes... Did you not see Fat this? Rock. Um, it's... What's, the, what's no. the Rock's new movie? Uh, I'm gonna type in Fat Rock and see what comes up on Google. Oh, Central Intelligence? Yeah, Central Intelligence. Have you not seen the trailer for this? Annie, Google Central Intelligence Rock and then pull up the trailer on YouTube and just skip the last, like, like 30 seconds. I know this is terrible. This is terrible, terrible radio. Is this going to be... It's amusing. This has already been turned into an animated GIF all over the place. Yeah, it's on YouTube. (laughs) Oh, boy. I do love The Rock. Okay, I'm watching. (laughs) Okay, it yeah, opens a shoop. This is promising. Just, yeah, just skip to the end. You don't have to watch the whole nope, thing. Nope, I'm watching. Nope. <laughs> God, You're Dwayne the whole Johnson's thing? really pretty. I can't, how can I yeah, skip no, Dwayne, Johnson. Dwayne Johnson? It's Dwayne Johnson. <laughs> I have no idea who Kevin Hart is. I'm glad he's got a new movie, despite me not knowing who he is. I'm glad The Rock's in a new movie. The Rock is funny. Um... Everything he's done since the Scorpion King seems to be him trying to make up for the Scorpion King. Um, man, the Scorpion I just King love had a hot lady in that. All the just that was the, the goofy, hot lady. I, I'm, I, I like goofy character movies, like dumb action movies. I can't uh, tell any lies. Yeah, the... the Rock does, man. I like how Rock is like Arnold Schwarzenegger, but like funnier, like more like knowingly. Funny. <laughs> yeah. 
Um, the Rock is a beautiful princess of man. Did you ever finish watching that last or any of the last uh, Fast and the Furious movies with The Rock? Nope, nope. I got like okay, thirty minutes into it, and I and I because The Rock I, is pretty I great. In the goddamn Fast and the Furious shit. Yeah, I love I that like he the named his always- dog after his character in Fast and Furious. Are you serious? I didn't hear about that. Yeah. Yeah, his oh. dog's name's Hobbs or whatever it is. Yeah. No. Oh, okay. Okay, hold on. So Almost getting- time for Fat Suit O'Clock. <laughs> I'm pretty sure. <laughs> I was gonna say, yeah. Sorry for this terrible podcast experience. Well, this gives people at home time to Google Central Intelligence and live watch with us. Wow. How does it so feel get- to be the rocks, like the chubby rock body double? That's gotta yeah. be. Well, I wonder because that, that's gotta that be a, that's a like digital face CG. replacement. Um, yeah, I don't, I, I don't think it's a body double. There might be some body double stuff in there, but at least the face and everything. They obviously just took the rock. It's not even makeup. They obviously just took the rock and just like CGI out a bunch of like wibbly fat onto him. But I thought that was kind of hilarious because he looks like. No, see, I, I mean, he looks like a. That's a body I mean, double. It's, it's I funny think. to see what the rock would look like as a fat Samoan guy, and that's fucking awesome. Anyway, here I'm googling this is the, Geek the Rock Review. Body Double Central <laughs> Intelligence. <laughs> oh oh boy! Anyway, um, that if the Rock actually had a body double for that scene, I'm sure like the the selfie that fat guy would have taken with the Rock would have already been out there. Like, yeah, yeah I don't know. Which well, it's not like the Rock too. and this person would have been on the even necessarily on the set on the same day. Yeah, if they're never know. The Rock could have been there to give the fat guy pointers about how, if I were going to dance to Shoop, this is how I would dance to Shoop. <laughs> now, you got to dance I like feel, me. I feel, I have to take a second. I feel ashamed that I confused uh, a salt and pepper song for another salt and pepper song. I know better than that. This is Wait, it's a, not Shoop. What is, what's, what's the other song then? Yeah. It was What a Man. What is What a Man. You're so crazy. See, I, that was like, I think I want to have his baby. <laughs> Good shit. <laughs> I love fucking love salt. Do you have their albums? Like, do you have their music? And, and like, yes, yeah, at, I do. Yeah. They sh- come up on shuffle constantly. Andy, that's why you and I are friends. <laughs> fucking yeah, fucking salt and pepper, fucking awesome. Anyway, so what else? Elsewhere in the Geek Week in review, uh, Captain EO is finally being put out to pe- put out the pasture at Disney World at least next month, says Bill. Yeah, they finally announced that. Uh, well, you know what? I didn't realize they only brought back Captain EO after Michael Jackson died because they had they had originally shut down Captain EO years ago because Captain EO is some old ass shit, and so they brought I him back. I was going to say yes, they brought him back. At, I think at all the parks, and they did announce that at least at Disney World, the uh, first like I think it's December sixth will be the last day they show Captain EO, and they did come out and say this is not just a kind of a temporary thing. Like they're they're. Captain EO's, like, this is going into the Disney vault for the foreseeable future. Um, unless Michael Jackson hmm. dies again or comes back from the dead. Uh, yeah, Captain EO is done. Uh, I would imagine that's hmm. probably going to happen and start happening at the other um, theaters, too. Well, again, it's only notable just because Captain EO is such a weird bit of Disney, like, fucking, what do you call it? Like, ephemera? Like, fucking, just weirdness? <laughs> the fact that Disney made a 3D... <laughs> Michael Jackson video directed by Francis Ford Coppola that's like 30 years old almost like 40 years old at this point still being shown at the fucking parks and stuff well I guess it is more 30 than than, than 40 years old but man Captain EO is terrible 
He dances. I, I never partook, so I'm gonna take your word for it, my friend. He dances at the enemies and they explode and stuff. It's it's yeah, it's like right up there with Moonwalker. Ugh, ugh, Michael Jackson stuff was terrible. Michael Jackson had the worst taste. Granted, he grew up he like he never had a chance to become a proper adult, but man, he had like the worst taste in everything. Like seeing like what is it inside of his house looks like and stuff, he just ugh. Ugh. Anyway, how you doing? Bill, how, Bill, how many display cases do you have for Lego? Well, it's good stuff. I got good taste. <laughs> I went through the crucible of fire to get the taste I got. Michael Jackson just like, oh, he had like, he would just have like. We are all of us someone else's nightmare. I'm just. This saying. is true. Yeah, there's no such thing as objectively good taste or bad taste. I mean, it is true. Like I'm sitting in a room filled filled with nintendo and star wars garbage this is not an adult's room this is michael jackson but poor i can't be throwing rocks at rich michael jackson um i was gonna say bill imagine if imagine if we had michael jackson's income imagine the nightmare home that we would live in who so like instead of like having like the kid from home alone for sleepovers you have like the rock you have the guy playing luke cage you have like oh man that'd be fun I like have Emily Blunt over. Like Emily Blunt, at least you, you ice would just cream. have Daniel Craig's butt. Yeah, only Daniel Craig's butt. <laughs> no, that would be like the door, like the door knocker. Would you have to like not even a knocker? It should be a big life size pl- like bronze cast of Daniel Craig's butt. They have to like kind of have to fondle and like maybe you have to slip your finger between the crack yeah. You have to give it a good goose. To... Yeah. Oh mm-hmm. man, I'm so bummed that that new James oh, Bond boy. movie is getting such bad reviews. Ugh. The end. Hey, did you, here's a sentence. Here's a sentence that I'm deeply invested in. Uh, Matthew McConaughey sorry, is rumored Andy. to be playing Randall Flag in a four film adaptation of Stephen King's The Stand and or Roland the Gunslinger in Ron Howard's seven film Dark Tower series. Are we back to seven movies again? That's what they're talking about again. Which the Dark oh, Tower? I thought it was like I thought it got D. I thought I got, like, stepped down from a movie to a TV series, and, and then no one there, would pay for a TV series, and now they're saying seven movies? There are conflicting reports, because this Ron Howard Dark Tower thing has gone backwards and forwards so much that even the media reports are conflicted as to whether or not it's supposed to be seven films or, like, four films in a TV series. Uh, it sounds like the people making these mm. movies still don't know themselves. It almost seems like they're waiting to see who they can cast as the characters in these movies and see how much money they have left over to decide what format this shit's going to be in. Um, none of this shit's going to get made. Even if it does get made, it's all going to be terrible. It's funny. So, okay, so Matthew McConaughey, Randall Flagg is the bad guy from The Stand, which is also connected to The Dark Tower. Essentially, Randall Flagg okay. is the ultimate bad guy in Stephen King's kind of cross-book media universe and Roland the gunslinger is the ultimate good guy essentially it's like obi-wan kenobi versus darth vader and now competing film companies want to cast cast matthew mcconaughey as both so even if one of these gets made with matthew mcconaughey can't get made with the other one unless they really want to do matthew mcconaughey finally fights himself or something like that so i don't know it's all just dumb i don't know stuff um, that's neither here nor there. I know you don't care about that, but that's my one indulgence in the Geek Week News interview this week. No, 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 no. Oh, oh, fuck this. The Boy Howdy podcast is nothing if not self-indulgent. Oh, I know. It's just so, like, the, the, the arc of this thing, whatever it gets made into, has been just bizarre. 
Yeah, Randall Flagg is not the devil. He's the helper of the devil who can shapeshift and fly, and he wants to get a lady pregnant so he can have a devil baby. That's his bad guy, and he can invade people's dreams. <laughs> Roland the Gunslinger, he's a cowboy from King Arthur times. Instead of King Arthur times, everyone had guns instead of swords, and but they still lived in castles and had fire instead of electricity. Makes no sense. <laughs> but Randall Flagg showed up at... Checks Randall out. Flagg showed up in Roland's kingdom and like killed his his father and then Randall Flagg went into our world and he caused the apocalypse by causing a plague and it's all just kind of like going between different worlds kind of his dark materials kind of style of stupid shit and uh, it's all blah, blah, blah. anyway how you doing Annie it's so interesting Stephen King is something that mean is a writer that means so much to so many people that I respect and I feel like I including like my mom and you love love his stuff and it's uh it's so funny because I feel like I'm whatever window I had to read them I feel like I missed that yeah because you kind of have and to I don't think I can go you there you kind of have to like St- Stephen King for a lot of people is like their first like not grown-up book but it's like YA if you're like like mentally defective <laughs> it's 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 i don't know it's hard to explain i granted adults can all yeah of course well and they're supposed to be adult horror novels but i sure. don't know said about you they're, they're... it's just interesting there are some it's like there I, I was talking about this with a friend about comics actually this one comic that i loaned them and they got back to me and they're like am i supposed to like this and we were talking about it and it, it, the comic was something that is one of those things that would mean a lot to you if it was one of your very first yeah. comics like when you're learning to I think appreciate that's what this King new is genre for a lot of people, and yeah. then when yeah it's like that entry he's that gateway drug yeah. you know and, uh, I don't know, I feel like I missed my chance at entering with uh, Stephen King. I feel like Stephen King is one of those things that's best experienced if you live in a boring small town and uh, you happen across one of his books at the yeah. bookstore. Well, it helps that like, Stephen King uh, stuff is it's so just like this accidental it's, it's, discovery. It's easy to find. You can find it anywhere, like any airport newsstand or anything like that. And, well, his stuff is, like, super yeah. visceral. Uh, he has very vivid, well-drawn characters and lots of crazy shit happening in his books. And it's only when you get older that you realize, like, mm-hmm. the actual, like, the story isn't necessarily put that together. Like, when, when you start, like, getting older and develop a critical eye, that's when you kind of go back and go. Like, technically, the Stephen King books can be well-written, but in terms of, like, the story construction, you're like, uh, the, like, the, the, the guts, the guts of the thing are more interesting than the whole shape of the container that they're in. It's like a turkey at the stuffing. The stuffing is so sure. great, but when you look back at the whole meal of what, the, like, the stuffing comes in the turkey, the turkey itself is, like, kind of, like, well, kind of childishly cooked. But for some reason, the stuffing was just, like, filled with jelly beans. Yeah. I don't know. It's, it's hard to explain, but, like, no, I, again, not to say you can't read. But, no, I mean, that's how I feel to some... That's how I feel to some degree about, like, the yeah. Hunger Games. Oh, know, yeah, that's kind of like, yeah. there, There's value to this, yeah. you know, that even even as it's not necessarily the most well-constructed thing. But, yeah, I don't know. I think I think the other side of that is that it's hard to then go into things like that that are so mm-hmm. praised and then view them Because you're looking at it from the top down, you know? whereas other people were kind of, like, reading it with their kids and kind of, like, looking upwards and, like, yeah, that's the first thing. But when you're, you've actually read stuff that is actually more advanced and more interesting and more sophisticated than Stephen King, going back and, like, reading that sort of, like, what the fuck was the point of this? Yeah, like, like really? Like, this is, yeah. Yeah. I feel, yeah, it's also one of those things that I feel like can't help but suffer from having 
exactly from from other authors and other creators having used that as a stepping point you know it's like when you go back and watch you know if you were to watch the fucking um uh oh god i can't remember the name the buck rogers like if you were to go back and watch the buck rogers serials or like old adventure serials hoping to find like more star wars or more indiana jones in them but it's like no this was this moment in time that led to other moments in time and it's kind of hard to judge it on its own merits if you look at it i'm pretty impressed with the number of people read stephen king with your kids Because, like, you know, again, yeah, Stephen King marketed towards adults and stuff like yeah. that. But, like, most p- people I know read Stephen King as a kid, and that's how they got into Stephen King. And Stephen King was, like, like quote-unquote, one of the first, quote-unquote, real books that they ever read. And, uh, yeah, and it's interesting because, like, his world is – he does have really great characters and, like, really crazy events. And it, it really is kind of a like shared universe between people growing up reading his stuff where, like, a lot of the stuff he's written, like, really do make yeah. an impact because, like I said, his shit is so visceral and has some great characters. What he does with those characters – not necessarily all that great, but like you could, it's especially if you're a kid and there's enough kid characters in his books and stuff like that. Not to make it sound like he writes kids books, but there's something so simple because he's kind of a horror writer that he's writing such like such morally simple stories that it's really easy for like, not maybe not like little kids, but like teenagers and young teenagers to kind of like latch onto and like everything's kind of just done in such big, broad strokes that but it still kind of like pretends to be mm-hmm. more sophisticated than it is enough that you kind of feel like oh i'm writing an adult book but i'm only like 13 sure i don't know it's interesting it's it, i'm glad that stuff is out there but yeah it's it's when you're trying to recommend stephen king books that you loved when you were like a teenager to like your adult friends who have never read stephen king and have read you know stuff that's more advanced or even more even more seminal than his stuff they, yeah. yeah they can go back and go what the fuck is this what are you recommending this to me like you're, you're out of your mind yeah yeah, that's always hard when you when you have something that was really important to you at a very particular moment of time yeah. in your life, and then to try and share that with people, and then to say, well, no, but I was really depressed and lonely, and this was like my friend in a dark moment, or this gave me hope, or this made me laugh mm-hmm. when I needed it. It's like there's some things that are so tied to you in a moment in time that it's kind of hard to hand to somebody and say, I'm kind hey, of like surprised this. that that you has know? been... It's, Stephen uh, King books have then been have essentially been that for so many people because they're fucking horror stories. They're in their pulp yeah. paperback horror stories because you <laughs> wouldn't think that many people would find solace in that stuff, but a lot of people have. Um, maybe it's because like horror stories are so so many horror stories are like little moral tales where you're kind of going through a dark carnival ride and everything at the end kind of turns out okay. So it's still kind of a moral like everything kind of does have a happy ending depending how fucked up the story is. That it, I don't know. It's 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 really there's some kind of weird dark psychology stuff there going on. But yeah, um. there is also something cathartic about a terrible thing that you're anticipating yeah. happening. And Stephen King's really good at making that happen and you know? happen in all kinds of ways you didn't, like, don't anticipate. And just fucking ah, yeah, fucking man. <laughs> Yeah, it's it can be it can be so nice to like to vent those feelings and those emotions in something outside of yourself, removed from your life. That uh, it's just kind of freeing, and I, I get the appeal of it, even though it is not not my bag, not my bag to some to some degree. One of these days, I want to sit down. I'm sorry. Go ahead. No, you go for it. You want the days you want to sit down? Uh yeah. One of these days, I want to sit down and commission like 
a, a special edition of his book, It, that only contains, it's this, people, a lot of people know about this now, but it's this book about this uh, child-eating monster uh, in, in, in Maine who, yeah, he just preys almost exclusively on small kids. And the story is about how, like, in 1955, these bunch of, like, uh, baby boomer kids managed to defeat this monster for the first time. Uh, but they think they've killed it, but they haven't totally killed it, so it comes back 30 years to kill them as adults. And because they're adults, they don't have, like, the same power to fight monsters they had as kids because the monster's weakness is, like, imagination and stuff like that. And all the adult stuff in that book, the adult half of that book is terrible, but all the kid stuff is fucking amazing. Some of the best stuff Stephen King's ever written, just from a character perspective, even aside from the horror stuff aside... Because all of his characters, all the kids in that book are all, they're, they're, they call themselves the Losers Club because they're all just like fucked up and there's like a fat kid and a Jewish kid and a like, like a, like a stuttering kid. There's a fucking, uh, it's, it's, it's a great collection of like rejects. And I think that it would like just, if you just had a book that just con uh, concentrated on all the kid stuff, that would be great for any, even adult to read who felt like a reject as a kid. But that's like, if you, if, but if you want to recommend that to anybody, like you have to get through so much like fucking crap crap in that book just to get through that good nugget inside yeah but yeah i wish there were like yeah the good condensed version of stephen king books that you could like wholeheartedly recommend to your friends say hey this is the good stuff <laughs> yeah not like yeah, I don't know, so. there you go bill at some point yeah. you should do uh you should do what the framing device of uh princess bride is you should write that but have it be with an actual work and have that actual work be it should do that yeah that's actually a good point yeah that's not wrong because i forgot that, that that's the whole crux of the, the the book version of the princess bride yeah okay yeah shit anyway what the hell else were we talking about hey, did you know that old light bulb head christopher kimball is leaving cooks illustrated what bill notes is the point of living now do you know anything about this guy i got uh, my so uh this my, guy my family loves america's test kitchen See, I didn't realize this was that much of a TV show, but yeah, so he's the founder of Cooks Illustrated, the host of the TV... Oh, Cooks Illustrated is a, is, a, uh, is a magazine that you get, that you know, recipes and stuff, and it actually is really nicely il illustrated. It's all il illustrated with little hand-drawn pen-and-ink drawings of stuff, uh, and yeah, he hosts uh, America's Test Kitchen, which is... Is it a cooking... It's really like a technical cooking show. Mm -hmm. uh, it's, it's not all, like, all fancy. It's not like they're going out to, like... To diners to taste like different hamburgers from around the country or anything it's just like okay here's how to make a turkey here's how to make big ziti it's very it's kind of dry but still kind of amusing is like i don't know it's it's a good show but so the founder of the company uh uh christopher kimball who i always strikes me because he always seems so dry and humorless and his head is shaped like a light bulb Mm -hmm. Um, I guess he is leaving the company because I guess the company got a new CEO. And so he, he's just leaving America's test kitchen and everything good to go off. And I don't know what he's going to do. How do you like, would he go off and try to compete, like, com like create a new competing cooks illustrated slash America's test kitchen thing? Like mm -hmm. his new empire. Or what are you doing that? Uh, cause cooks illustrated and, and America's test kitchen, they occupy such a very specific niche place in the world of like Ill like instructive cooking magazines and tv shows like what do you do in that situation do you just take your money and run and just go home and retire or what mm -hmm. um do you do you just hang out with alton brown all the time <laughs> exactly you know what you do bill you go home yeah. you cook that's just it you cook you go make himself a good pie and relax <laughs> exactly <laughs> what else what else i'll have to call and talk to my dad about that he'll be he'll be bummed um, the yeah. guy who created the Ghostbusters logo is dead. 
Oh, you don't, you're not going to read the ha-ha? Excuse me. Ha-ha. <laughs> Sorry, That's Bill. the point of the whole... F- that's the joke. <laughs> Here, okay, he hold on. Hold on. Let me do it right. The guy who created okay. the Ghostbusters logo is dead. Ha-ha. <laughs> is that better? Did I sell that a little better? <laughs> All I know about this guy is he created the Ghostbusters logo, and he also... Did you ever see the National Lampoon magazine cover where they have a like a picture of a guy pointing a gun to a dog's head and it says if you don't buy this magazine we're gonna shoot this dog oh yeah yeah he created that cover too and i don't even know the guy's name but he's dead (laughs) but he created ghostbusters logo the end (laughs) i wonder if he created the terrible second ghostbusters movie logo where it's the same logo but the ghost is like giving the two sign that's Mm -hmm. terrible he (laughs) fucked that up i'm glad he did (laughs) fuck him oh boy all right. What? Uh, <laughs> I love you, Annie. Annie, you're so patient. You really are. Just like, you're, yeah. YouTube announced you're, it's you're going like to Forrest make... Gump's teacher. <laughs> what? Oh, boy. Uh, YouTube announced you. that it's making a greater push for fair use of copyrighted material by its users. Good oh, fucking God, luck. You... Did, do you know the details of this? Because I don't, because I totally forgot to research this. <laughs> no, I haven't heard about this at all. Just something, all I know is, like, earlier in the week, they, YouTube did make some kind of announcement that, like, they are going to try to push back against DMCA claims against, you know, against corporations just automatically uh, trying to get stuff pulled down from uh, YouTube. I've since heard then that it sounds like that's, like, th- like YouTube's only going to go to bat for, like, a small percentage of its users, which kind of makes sense because hmm. how are you going to, like, how is YouTube going to personally address every kind of copyright claim that ever comes through their system? With, like, actual mm-hmm. people paying attention. Like, they're not going to hire a lawyer for every case of, like, probably thousands of copyright claims that happen on YouTube every day. But it's interesting that they yeah, even, like, came out and said anything about this. This is something that YouTube has never even tried to address, really. Um, yeah. So, well, it's, it's such a quagmire, I can only imagine. Yeah, the article I'm reading says that um, Google says it plans to offer legal support to some content creators who's up, who upload videos to YouTube and are later hit with copyright claims. Google said it will stand up to wrongful requests to remove content by targeting a select few of the best examples of fair use and even agreeing to defend those creators in court if necessary. Oh, okay. It sounds like they may be just like going for the most big, biggest highlighted cases or something like that, but at least they've said something. Who knows? This may actually turn into something someday if somebody comes after like pewdiepie or something but um at I least mean, so much of their content it. is remix media like it's just yeah. eh, there's only so much they can do about it like they do some things like they'll flag it and then if those like content owners have you know rights in certain countries then things on screen or they'll take it down altogether or they take audio off or something it's it's kind of interesting to make a choice other than just stripping the rights of creators yeah you know I mean, not to say that creators don't abuse that either. No, but, like, you get abuse on both sides, though. I wonder if this would... This is kind of scaring Nintendo or any other... Because, like, Nintendo's... uh, From a game perspective, Nintendo has been really aggressive about going after people who... Then again, these are people who are trying to monetize videos with uh, Nintendo, like, game content. Um, they're, they're fine mm-hmm. with if you just, like, want to do, like, a Let's Play or a, n- a commentary on a Nintendo game, but you're not trying to make money off of it. But the moment you try to put ads on that, they get really upset. And I wonder if Nintendo, mm-hmm. like, I don't know, Google, I don't know, uh, well, it'll be interesting to see how this affects Google's, like, corporate partnerships with other companies like that. Um, I don't know. I could see mm-hmm. some companies, if they really, if Google really pushes it back against some of these copyright claims, I could see companies pulling ad support from YouTube. 
Um, although you think that would be stupid because so many like YouTube videos reach so many people. Like it's one of the few advertising things that's actually working on the internet these days. You'd have to be insane to like threaten to lose your like view like the viewership for your YouTube ads over like oh this one guy over here is just like showing showing Super Mario Brothers or something. I don't know. It's we'll see what we'll see what happens. Uh, in other news, uh, Kotaku announced that it had been unfairly blacklisted by Ubisoft and Bethesda for leaking early info about Assassin's Creed Syndicate and Fallout Four. What do you think about this? Uh, you know, it's a tricky situation. Like, it was an interesting article because it was all. Um, you know, basically, the editors, who's a dude I respect, his whole thing was like, well, you know, if someone gives me this information, is it ethical for me not to publish it? Yeah. Is it, what is, what, is it ethical for me not to publish rumors and news and, like, literally my job is to report, so am I doing a disservice to my people by by not reporting. And then even if you, you know, and even from the publisher side, like, it's not like the people who control, like, the stories and the PR and the media and everything are even the developers. Yeah. And, like, that is all a very structured dance. And by doing all this horseshit, they're undoing that structured dance. And it's... I, th- I think it would be easier to like really come down on one side of this or the other if if the news we were talking about that they broke that they got in so much trouble for actually mattered anything exactly you know because it's not like they were reporting on terrible workplace conditions or anything that actually affected anybody they were just telling us details about these games a year before they came out both cases it was just like oh hey assassin's creed is going to take place in london you have a twin sister or your you have a twin brother and fallout 4 was oh it takes place in boston there's a guy named uh, Jada Pinkett Smith. Um, wait, no, Preston Sturges? What is it? It's funny, like, actually, you go back and read their Fallout 4 report, it really is. They got, like, fucking detail. Like, Bethesda must have been super pissed, because it really is, like, oh, here's, like, yeah. the transcript of your entire first conversation with Preston Sturges. And, yeah, oh, they got the casting from... call. Yeah, uh, yeah like, the, they actually pages. even had the whole opening, the first, like, whole opening, dot, like, the, the, the first cutscene, they had the whole script for um, down to like, yeah, every, yeah, they, but yeah, so this is, Kotaku is choosing a really weird hill to die on here. Yeah, it, yeah, yeah. Yeah, because, I think know. friend of the podcast, Kelly Nelson, put it best, and I, yes, I am going to be that person who reads tweets right now, when, um, she, she observed, um, uh, uh, here's a moment where choosing a side is a hopeless endeavor. On this side, irresponsible journalism disguised as heroic truth spitters. Yeah. The other IP holders with slightly off PR campaigns who are withholding from the press. Oh, yes, this sounds like a great moment in human history. <laughs> exactly. This is going to be something that no one remembers again in a year. Uh, because every, I think every outlet in the world has been blocked from by uh, publishers for some reason or another, whether it was justified or not, but like... Who gives a shit? And it's just like, oh my god, Kotaku's not a part of the pre-digested PR loop for, like, the games next year or something like that. It's not like... I will say this. What is most impressive is that I believe it was Jake Rodkin of Idle Thumbs who said that what he was most impressed by was that from their coverage of those games, you wouldn't know that they had been blacklisted. Like, they still were doing good, thorough coverage of those games. Yeah, that's why it was such news, I guess, when they came out. Which, granted, I haven't really been reading Kotaku for a while now, but... um... 
Yeah, yeah, it was like, yeah, you wouldn't know anything different. So uh, at least they've been doing a, a good job on that front. I wonder what forced them to come out. I, I don't know if they, like, maybe maybe it's because they had, like, markedly lacking, like, Fallout 4 reviews or something like that. But. Well, they did they did talk about, since they didn't get a preview, th- th- oh, uh, I think they mentioned that the only way their reviewer posted a timely um, review of Fallout 4 is that they sent, uh, Bethesda sent a a preview copy to one of their freelancers, probably hoping that they would cover it for like the New York times or, oh, or something outlet. like that. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. yeah. So yeah, I don't know. It's like, it's one of those things where it's like, you don't really win. And ultimately I feel like the only, the people who suffer the most in that situation are perhaps like the developers who are seeing getting their laundry aired and like, it could yeah. affect like, I don't know. I, I, it's hard for me to root for a situation that could negatively impact the poor people who are already being yeah. treated as disposable garbage. Funny anyway. because I mean, Kotaku knows the rules. They know they were breaking the rules. I, it, it wouldn't be so weird if the Kotaku wasn't like a cornerstone of an industry that survives entirely on the whim of the the publishers mm-hmm. almost 99 percent of the news they get and they publish is just sure. pr stuff from those people so right. yeah it's a little weird for them to act to be for them to act so surprised that their shit got shut down when they when they like fucking went out of their way to piss off the the, the publishers if this were an industry that wasn't if, if the game journalism industry industry wasn't so locked into sucking from the teat of the publishers this would be a more interesting story even if it was about the same stuff but it's just like yeah i mean it's 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 like if all the water you get is from your home tap and suddenly you decide not to turn on your tap and then you're like you're gonna publish a new story about how oh my god now i'm 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 dehydrated it's like well no shit congratulations like you just go drink some more water it's like what did you expect like kind of this this yeah, is the nature of the weird, beast it's with, a weird situation with your shitty yeah. little industry um especially because especially when you call this games journalism because it's not when you're when you're in a in a line of work where most of your work is just repurposing pr uh, public uh, release stuff, yeah, it's it's yeah, and when you ch- yeah the, the the hill you choose to die on is about how you just decided to buck that PR like feedback loop. It's like what yeah what are how are you thinking people are going to react like we're supposed to rally around you guys or something like that? Not to say that that was even the tone of what they were writing like oh pity us. No, I actually thought that it was like it was a really evenly yeah exactly yeah which I hate to make it sound like that but at the same time it's like well okay what are we supposed to do with that information then at least at least now we know why if you guys don't have like really like deep fallout 4 coverage we know why but at the same time like beyond that like what how are we really supposed to care and i guess i'm not saying that we should care but at the same time i don't know i don't know it's it's just a weird weird scenario yeah it's kind of mucky and yeah oh great another scenario in which video games are to use the tumblr phrase weirdly problematic this is really good could be worse though could be gamergate Although Gamergate did pick up on stuff, like, I guess Claire Hummel was bitching about Kotaku, and so Gamergate picked up on that, like, Claire Hummel says that, like, Gamer, like, Kotaku's bullshit, because, like, for some reason, Kotaku's one of their big targets for no reason. Sure. Um, so, I don't know, it's fucking dumb, yeah. Oh, boy. Uh, Rooster Teeth threw shade at Jeff Gersman's Fallout 4 review score while wearing a Pip-Boy, no less. Did you hear anything about this? This is all news to me. This is all just word salad. Do you know who Rooster Teeth is? Rooster Teeth. Oh, hold on. Rooster yeah. Teeth are the people <laughs> okay. who do red versus blue. Exactly. Right? That's that was where they about started. Design, yeah. Yeah. And Jeff Gersman was the dude who was the reviewer who was fired from IGN for talking about 
payola or for for giving a bad review for a game that had lots of coverage like that what was it the that something. shitty yeah Kane and lynch or something like that I think. yeah Kane and lynch like too yeah yeah, yeah. Uh, so jeff gersman he's also the founder of giant bomb uh, one mm-hmm. of the big, not even review sites. They don't even re- post reviews as much as just like do quick looks and stuff like that. But so Rooster Teeth, uh, I guess they've moved on from just doing red versus blue stuff, and now they just like do video game reviews and do like comedy skits online, like live stuff. It's no longer sure. like the, the, the they're a media empire. Yeah, right. they've kind of turned in their own media empire, and so I guess they went on some kind of like other like video game like talk show. And they showed up with their Pip Boys, and they started talking there in this interview about how um, people like Jeff Gersman. Uh, Jeff Gersman gave the console version of Halo, of Fallout 4 a three out of five stars. He gave the PC version four out of five stars. And these Rooster Teeth people started talking about how uh, people like Jeff Gersman give Fallout 4 uh, such low scores just for attention, just to drive traffic, just for essentially clickbait. And they said this after a month of uh, producing Fallout 4 sponsored content, running Fallout 4 ads, <sighs> and they actually were sitting there in Fallout 4 costumes with a Fallout 4 Pip Boys that were sent to them by the publishers. Like it's weird that they're like, and and, and they were complaining about Fallout 4 getting intentionally terrible reviews, and by what what their 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 idea of terrible reviews is like three out of five and four out of five scores. They're complaining about how Jeff Griffin essentially did not give Fallout 4 a perfect score, and like not in a funny kind of comical. Like, we're gonna turn this into say it, or just they're just kind of like teasing Jeff Gersman, but it was like honestly they were like like complaining in a way that like the fuck are you guys talking about these and you guys are yeah. like the ones who like your, your entire last month of content on your site has been nothing but fallout 4 stuff because people yeah. post they went back to see that like yeah it's it's essentially fallout 4 presented by fallout 4 has been like their entire site for the last month and it's just a little bit like that's especially coming from a group that's supposed to be like this independent bunch of like gamers just making content for other gamers but like really sounding like Bethesda mouthpieces in a way that I don't think, you know, I don't think Bethesda's told them to go out and like bitch at Jeff Gersman, but looking so bought and sold when they're wearing like the Pip-Boy toy on their arm, complaining about these terrible three out of five star reviews and just like, Oh, it's just really weird. Like how you can be so easily bought and sold or like your view of like, what is a good review or a good review or a bad review can be so warped and how much you can accidentally kind of make an ass of yourself in front of like, uh, the public if you're just if you don't pay attention to how you're presenting yourself especially if you're part of like a paid advertising campaign for the subject that you're talking about it's just really weird so yeah yeah it's you know it's uh, also just the whole idea that the way gaming has the relationship gaming has with reviews is so fucking complex and gross. Yeah. Like everything from the way fans react to reviews and down to the way developers are paid based on reviews. Yeah. It's all so broken and muddy and complex. And yeah, the fact just... that your kids, your kids could miss essentially kind of miss out on Christmas. If your if your game doesn't get reviewed and uh, well yeah. enough. Well, it breaks my, I think about this a lot because like fallout new Vegas is my favorite fallout game and to be fair it was the most broken fallout game of all it was a really <laughs> impressively obsidian level obsidian broken game but they they missed like a, a bonus that they were really hoping on yeah they were like really they were probably banking on. on yeah yeah by like literally a point on metacritic yeah and it's just like that sort of shit it's like this all too hard as it is it just makes yeah. me feel gross. and again there's no one person responsible for any of this this is just the way 
like it's just grown out of just the industry and how people act and how companies act and it's just like yeah it's 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 there's no one villain in this situation but it is just kind of like Ugh, and then you know, the big thing too yeah exactly like no one should consider a three out of five star review of anything yeah. to be bad it's not great and even justin gershman came out and he said he was like oh no i gave the pc version four out of five stars because that's the version that actually works the only reason i gave even gave the console version three out of five stars was just because it's so buggy compared to the pc version but in terms of like the gameplay design and the content in there it's a good game uh he doesn't seem to be too impressed with fallout in general though like he admits mm-hmm. it's a game but he's not a big fan but he'll come out and say like it's a four out of five five star game when it works and so it's not like and like his only response to this was just kind of like ah who, who gives a shit i don't care so it's not <laughs> like he was like even picking a fight back or anything like that which even yeah. make like the fact that these guys were trying to pick a fight with him even kind of weirder but like yeah it's just the whole thing again it's another gaming industry thing where it's just kind of like yeah just kind of just kind of oogie mess but uh that was just yeah kind of the big gaming news this week those two things that that and the kataka mm-hmm. thing so yeah yeah and, and meanwhile in movies behind the scenes video of peter jackson falling apart while making the hobbit with which maybe explains why it was broken up into three movies rather than two to give jackson more time did you see anything about this i heard about it and i started to watch the video but i did was did not have the uh, yeah he's walking around the set of the hobbit with a gun just shaking and just <laughs> uh, uh, uh. no um it's it's so i guess the blu-ray for the last hobbit movie just came out the battle of the five armies did you see any of those movies i watched the first hobbit movie yeah it made an impression huh yeah it, i well you know so i never all of the lord of the rings movies kind of bounced off me in general and yeah. uh yeah it just was not uh not for me so I guess the I guess the big takeaway is from the Blu-ray for the last movie that came out. I guess supposedly, uh, not only this like little featurette that got put onto YouTube, but also in the commentary I've heard, uh, Peter Jackson's pretty frank with talking about how. Um, the real reason why, um, cause originally then they announced that there was only going to be two Hobbit movies and mm-hmm. he convinced New Line Cinema to turn it into three. And it sounds like what happened was because, um, originally Guillermo del Toro was supposed to direct those two movies. Right. And he dropped out right before filming was supposed to start and Peter Jackson took over and it sounds like he had an okay time with the first movie but when he started getting into the second movie which is supposed to you know it's supposed to be the end of the story the whole big climactic fight scene between the battle of the five armies at the end um he didn't have enough time because he he was he was only the producer he wasn't the director and they were ditching a lot of the stuff that uh, Gilmore de Toro had designed and kind of like put together for his version of the movie and so essentially mm-hmm. he was coming into the second movie uh, having done none of the preparation stuff, the script wasn't still finished to the Peter Jackson's uh, taste and all this stuff. And it got to the point they were filming like the climactic fight scene without a script. And this is a huge battle between like thousands of warriors and stuff. And they won well, in the movie. It's supposed to be thousands of warriors, but they only had like a couple dozen dudes and, uh, on costume sitting on a green stage, uh, green green screen stage but it got to the point where like he was so frazzled because he was having to spend so much time working on the script during the night then they come in and film there during the day but they with but also filming with an incomplete script and all this stuff that he was kind of losing his fucking mind and so they have this little featurette it's like a little 10 minute featurette that got put onto youtube that is from the blu-ray of him ex- essentially explaining why there turned out to be a third movie is because he realized that there was just not enough material like he was just not in a position to like make that third 
third movie, so he actually had to go to New Line and say, hey, can we just delay the making of this movie by a year so I can sit down and get the script into a place that I like and actually, like, design the action scenes and actually figure out the shape of this, the, the like, the, the, the second movie because right now we're just kind of making up as we go along and it's not working. And it's, like, really one of the most, like, brutally honest things I've ever seen from like a major production where like you have the director coming out and saying yeah when I made this movie I, I was just at the end of my rope I was falling apart uh, which is funny because the third movie still actually turned out to be pretty bad but it's interesting just to him just talking about like how yeah the, the I don't know just the, the evolution of that series him being pretty honest he doesn't talk about anything too much about the other movies or anything like that but yeah that dude was fucked up man I didn't that's so sad because it seemed like the the initial Lord of the Rings movies came from a place of such mm-hmm. love and happiness and like all that and yeah and you can totally see I think even at some point he says he talks about how he almost would have preferred to see Del Toro's version of that movie anyway, but it's yeah. like, yeah, he he looks like a fucking disaster in that okay. little short that got leaked, but I don't know, so. Yeah, it's kind of it's weirdly his way, and like kind of presenting that information on the Blu-ray almost seems to be his way of explaining why the Hobbit movies in general just didn't turn out that good because he had to take over at the last minute and didn't have all of his preparation time, and I don't know, so. <laughs> Yeah. Did you know, Bill, that the skull of Winnie the Pooh is now on display at the Hunterian Museum in London? Uh, in reality, it's the skull of Winnie Pig, the bear that inspired the name of the teddy bear belonging to A.A.M.L. Sons, and by extension, the name of Winnie the Pooh. Yeah, so I guess they just found the skull of this bear somewhere, and they said, oh, let's put it on the museum, and let's call it the skull of Winnie the Pooh. Um... <laughs> Which that actually, we're gonna get attention for your new bear skull exhibit, saying we've got the skull of Winnie the Pooh. I mean, that's like you might as well come out and say, you know, we have the dried uterus of Mary Poppins in a case. Do you want to see it? Maybe not. Um, we have the mummified left hand of Captain Nemo. Um, yeah, so. It's just a bear. And for a moment there, because I read the article about this, and they're like, oh, Winnipeg the bear. And I was like, yeah, wait, that's not Winnie. I was like, oh, that's right. If you just shorten Winnipeg into Winnie, it's Winnie the Pooh. But I don't know. Oh, boy. Oh, boy. Uh, And in summation, our last note this week, goodbye, Gravity Falls. Yeah. Did you ever really watch that much Gravity Falls? I watched the heck out of the first season. Yeah, Yeah, I I did, too. I really enjoyed it. I was waiting for it to, like for more for more of it to pile up before I really got back into it, not realizing the second season was going to be the last season, which I guess is going to end like next week. Uh, I guess there's still only two more episodes left in the season, and the, so that's when Alex Hirsch, the Gravity Falls creator, came out this week and said, "Yeah, we've only got two more episodes this season, and ever <laughs> the series finale airing in two weeks. Come watch it." Um, I, I gotta respect the hell out of him for that because the whole point of Gravity Falls is that it is a summer yeah. in the lives of these young people and there are very specific mysteries and mysteries that I hope they solve and there's kind of, you gotta kind of respect somebody with the creative vision to 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 see that through. Yeah, I mean, granted, the like the, the the summer that this whole like story's been going through has been an incredibly long summer over the course of these two seasons, but I really do like you said like this is like the natural evolution of yeah this is yeah pretty much what you just said annie um yeah this is the shape of the story and it's almost over and you know it's so rarely do you get that in television at all much less in animated television and that's really cool take take some actual discipline and from all accounts like the show 
the show's had great reviews. It's 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 had great viewership. It's not like it's you know it's not like it's being canceled and he's just trying to make it seem like oh we meant to do this. But yeah, yeah it was interesting. In his statement, he said that one of the reasons why they haven't talked about it more is that Disney was hoping that they could talk him out of it. Exactly, exactly, yeah. And I, I mean, he can always come back someday. But it is really, I just love the idea that it is just about kind of like this last summer between this like brother and sister who are just like on the like on the cusp of it's essentially the last the last summer of their childhood essentially because i think they're both turning 13 at the end of the summer and i don't know it's it's i i i happened to catch one of the one of the last episodes a couple weeks ago and it really is mabel gets freaked out because uh for the first time she realizes that summer is coming to a close and i think dipper is talking about how whenever they go back home he wants to do something where like, I don't know, it's not that he wants to go do it to a different school that Mabel's going to be up. It's something that's going to be, that suggests that, like, their time, to, like, it reminds Mabel that their time together is finite. They're not going to be spending the rest of their little lives hanging out together as sure. teenagers or as adults as they are as kids. And she gets really fucked up about that. And there's no real resolution to that. I mean, granted, there's been a couple of more episodes that have aired since then, but it's nice to see that they're kind of addressing that kind of, I mean, it's rare to see a brother and sister on TV in live action or cartoons or otherwise that care that much about each other or yeah. even are self-aware enough to realize like oh we're children and this is a good thing and this is not going to last forever but yeah. i don't know it's those are cool characters yeah that's it's just an interesting interesting sort of thing like I, i've been thinking about that a lot because i've been thinking about siblings in media because ultimately hunger games the the core thrust of it is about you know the relationship between siblings and um that's kind of what motivates katniss from start to finish mm-hmm. and um uh the movie really hammers in it there are three sets of siblings in that movie in it and none <laughs> of them have a really good time with it no and uh you know but there is there's something that's true about having this person who if you're lucky is like you're baked in best friend mm-hmm. or at least someone who's always there for you and it's some of the first it like loss you experience in your life i think is like when that changes and drifts and especially when it's kind of expected it's supposed to be a natural part of life but if you're in a situation where you're lucky enough that like oh yeah no that's that's kind of it's like it's something where there's like a there's a time clock on it it's like it's not like if like your like loss of like oh a relative dies or you know it's like this this relationship i have with this person is very intense and it's only gonna last for so much longer and you're expected to outgrow that kind of yeah like it's and it's yeah and that like i said that one little bit of the of a more recent season two episode i saw was it was kind of like that was the whole point with mabel and i was like man that's fucked up that's kind of sad um but yeah that's really that's really brave and really cool it's got to be hard to stop something that is successful and just to be given permission to stop something that is successful that's uh, remarkably cool of Disney to uh, do that and I think it really speaks to um, that they hope to build on those relationships with those creators that uh, they're willing to let them pump the gas like that. Yeah. And uh, it's also the same thing in that episode. They managed to destroy like a quarter of the town. And so it was one of those things where I was like, I wonder how they're going to retcon that because you can't be- keep on destroying the town like this and have the show go on forever. And like, oh, actually, no, that's only that's actually one of the last episodes. So, so maybe the town is permanently fucked up now. Yeah, so. yeah, it's kind of cool to have a show where there is an actual, uh, a changing, ever-changing status quo because yeah. that is not something you often find in 
children's uh, in, in cartoons and stuff. But it's just kind of cool that we live in an age of like your 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 Steven Universes and your Gravity Falls, where there is this sense of a movement towards something, and you get real authentic resolution from it. Oh man, I follow the Steven Universe subreddit, and they are dying for new content because <laughs> like there's no episodes for the foreseeable future, not at least not until next year. So I see everyone just kind of like, well, here's my Steven Universe Zelda mashup or some kind of random like since you have it's been a while since new episodes have had to talk about it. it's just like them just treading water just kind of going oh, oh. it's kind of like the avatar the last airbender uh fandom between like the, the the series ending and cora being announced it's like what do we do now oh no it's like a bunch of bored kids on a rainy saturday afternoon without a video game they're just like fuck <laughs> anyway yeah. And with that, we're going to wrap this up so I can go check on my poor sick wife. And Finally, yeah, Jesus. So uh, thank y'all, friends, as always, for listening. This was the Boy Hattie Podcast. We're at Boy Hattie Podcast on Twitter. How, uh, howdy at com is an email address you can ding us at. Um, BoyHattiePodcast.com is our general web lair. Mm-hmm. Uh, we'll be back next week to talk to y'all about more pop culture bullshit. And uh, hang on. And uh, this week, Bill will be uploading his delightful uh, Star Wars Yes, yeah, that'll probably go up, like I said, Tuesday or Wednesday, probably, you know, for for new content for people to listen to if you like Star Wars and you need something to listen to over the, the Turkey Day weekend. Uh, any special Thanksgiving Day plans, Annie? It is my wife's birthday. Woo! So... Hopefully she will be recovered enough from her food poisoning that we can actually have more than broth and Do you crackers, have uh, four days off? I'm probably going to go back to work on Friday. Oh, really? So. I guess well. Well, well I mean, here's the thing. I'm, I'm like, my big plans are for the Christmas holiday, and I got to wrap up some big projects at work oh, so okay. that I can yeah. do that. So. I say that's in your Fallout time. You could have that Fallout game beaten by next, uh, by the end of the th- holiday weekend if you wanted. Dude, I don't know. There's something about working in an office on a day off where most people aren't there that is beautiful. You get so much shit done. <laughs> And man, the 7-Eleven will be Black Friday, so they'll have, like, Slim Jims for, like, a penny. (laughs) I know what you're getting for Christmas. (laughs) Exactly, exactly. Okay. Uh, I hope everyone here, at least here in the States, has a good Thanksgiving. Everyone else, uh, get on that Thanksgiving kick, because, man, fucking turkey soup. You guys are missing out. Turkey soup. Good shit. And, (laughs) yeah, we'll see you guys on the other side of Thanksgiving, which will be the Christmas side of of the holiday season. Oh Damn, my god. When we next chat, I will have my Christmas tree up. Next week? Yeah, the day after Thanksgiving is when you put the tree up in my family. But not if you're at work. <laughs> I was say take off or at least make it a half a day. Let's put it that way. Oh my <laughs> god, you're gonna have, you know what that means? The day after Thanksgiving is when I start looking at the Swiss colony catalog for reals. <laughs> <laughs> Gotta get on Our- that holiday friends friends log. <laughs> All right, pals, we'll talk to y'all next week. Okay, take care, guys. <laughs>